were bad, but now they're okay. Only me or my, you're the apple of my eye, girl. I never loved one like you. Found you hiding here, so won't you take my hand, darling? There's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular, Lar. I am your host, Spacer Finitine. Uh Today we are hitting that second episode of season six, which is Homecoming, which is, I think, an underrated, um, underrated episode. I actually have a lot of fondness for this episode. Um, and today we have a couple of guests with us. One's old but wonderfully beloved, and the other one is new. And I will let them both introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Kay. I'm Black Jarlin and on Tumblr. Killer Queen 80 on the archive and MC Jazz Hands on Twitter. Hello, uh, I'm Roxanne. I'm Miss Snowfox with an extra X on Tumblr and uh, many other places Instagram, Twitter, like whatever. Come find me if you would like to. <laughs> and um, I, uh, I'm also on YouTube, but I haven't vidded for a while because real life and you guys all know how that is. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm very excited to be here. It's my first time on the podcast and I'm so excited. So, <laughs> hey, well, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank so you. great to have you here. If you've been late in the, late in the series, we're still finding yeah. you. People. So that's really pretty awesome. Yeah, it's like, it's, I can't believe it's taken me so long to like try and get on here, but you guys seem so popular with everyone that everyone wants to be on the podcast. So it was just like, oh yeah, like we're like totally booked up for season five, but you can come on to season six. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I haven't watched season six. I should probably do. Oh my goodness. At least just watch the episode. This is the first time I watched Homecoming. Okay, it's first time. Did you watch yeah. Loser Like Me before that? Uh, I have. So basically, my knowledge of season six is the Hurt Locker part two, transitioning, a wedding, 
and then the last two episodes and everything else I've seen like gifts of because okay. obviously they would be gift as they were coming out. So I haven't like watched I like I know all of the important things that happen like in terms of claim, but I can't I can't sit there and look at it. It's just it's okay. It's <laughs> kind of jealous of people who came into the series with so many episodes already there and able to watch it all without all the crazy hiatuses and all the crazy hiatus drama oh no i actually so i came into the glee fandom in the glorious hiatus summer of 2011 which was which was a beautiful time to be alive (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah oh wow i mean well because so i went to glee live in london with a friend of mine and it wasn't it uh it uh, it wasn't the Dublin one, unfortunately. I mean, oh, God man. bless. But um, yeah. it, but we had a pretty good one. I think we had the skit where they put the like the queen hat and the cape around themselves, oh. and they were like, "Oh, this isn't the first time we played oh, dress." That was so cute. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> and so that was when I got into the fandom because my first fandom was Merlin, and like still is. So the, Glee was my second fandom. I felt like I was cheating on Merlin. I was like, "No, <laughs> what's happening?" <laughs> oh, yeah, and that was, was like the best yeah. time. It was literally the best time. And then, yeah, I uh, season three was the first one I watched, like, from the very, very beginning. And then... I'm so uh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> listen. Do you know what, though? I, I have this weird thing with third seasons where I have this weird nostalgic <coughs> feel for them because usually I tend to get into a show, like, in season two. Two. So third seasons are always the ones that I watch first, like full. Oh, so I have this weird like thing about yeah. And obviously, Seriously. I mean, season three has the first time in it, and I can't be mad about that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's, <true. laughs> that's good. So but yeah, it's good to then, keep you know positive about you know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, they were together. That was fun. <laughs> 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 that was. I didn't have to like you know keep looking at spoilers from the Brazilians, being like, when will I be able to be happy again? <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's that true was but oh yeah so God, season the 6 was the one that unfortunately like I thought I could stick with Glee through thick and thin and season 6 unfortunately was the one that broke right. me I was like I can't I can't I can't do it anymore but yeah Homecoming was the first time I saw it was like the other day when I like watched it on Amazon I was like oh yeah this is like new Glee content this is insane so well <laughs> and, and, angst is pretty there's not a whole lot of angst in this one this one is a lot about I know. Um, a lot about the individual so characters, and, and <laughs> yeah. it's—I think it's a lot of fun. I, it, I did this one. I can't remember if this aired with Loser Like Me. I think it did. It did. It did. Yeah. They aired together, and because I, Roxanne, I came in a fandom during the hiatus in season one, so I've literally been here forever. And so when I got to season six, I was like, I just want to finish it and enjoy it. And this actually, this episode gave me like a false hope. Because yeah. it was so good, and there was, like, so much Blaine, and it was, like, yeah. Blaine being, like, a whole person by himself, and I was, like, so excited for for the rest of the season. I was lied to. Bad people. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I, it is, they did set up, and they and then, uh, admittedly, they didn't entirely follow through with the, the beginning, where they're, like, Blaine and Rachel are, like, we're gonna do this together, and then that lasts, like, an episode, and then, and then they, famous. and then, like, they're only seen alone after, after this episode. I'm trying to think if they even had any scenes alone after this episode. I, I don't think they do. I, I, yeah, their the last scene head. alone is with, with Jane. Yeah. See, I, yeah. false hope. 
<laughs> Not for sure. We're going to get a season of Anderberry. Oh, well, in the at least we'll get we a, at least we get a lifetime of Leah and Darren being besties. See, there Literally, go. that's like what I'm living for right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh I God. honestly had no clue they were so close until right? the, the yeah. they went on tour and then like his they were each other's well, like engagements and stuff and I was like wait a minute. I yeah. think that this is one of those situations where I think maybe people kind of get close after the fact because surely mm-hmm. if they were this close during mm-hmm. the show we would have known about it. I think they probably just kind of because they maybe live near each other they were like oh we can hang out and now they're yeah like just doing mm-hmm. and I think they're the only members of the cast left that like actually like to be associated with Glee so they kind of like ended up merging and like hearing them talk about Glee with such happiness just makes me like "Ah, I love it. I think they're the only two left besides possibly Amber who have like a positive relationship with Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Oh, probably. I think Cord is okay because I don't know if you guys remember. whatever. Cord is just like what? Yeah, he's so chill. I don't think Cord cares one way or the other. No, I don't think he ever did. He seemed kind of like always just chill. But do you you guys follow him on Instagram? He has this little thing he does: cocktails with Cord, where he teaches you how to make a drink. Oh, that's hilarious! Yeah, the line between Sam and Cord was a dot. It wasn't even a line. Like they're so similar. Um, during I remember a little bit during the um season six stuff where uh, Cord, Darren and, and, and Leah hung out a lot and they came up with like a three, like a, the portmanteau that shoved their names together. I don't remember what it was, but it was something, like the Leah street or something. Yeah. Something like that. And uh, cause I remember everybody was like, what's going on with these three? And like, it's all pub publicity. And I'm like, no, they're just like, it's the end of the series. There's not very many cast members left. So <laughs> like, I, oh my god! I get it. I have a Google alert set up for Amber, mm-hmm. and so when I checked it and I saw her name, and I was like, "Oh my god, what's Amber doing?" And then it was just she was at an event, and they asked her if she was going to Leah's wedding, mm-hmm. and it was so awkward because she like totally was not invited. <sighs> Ooh, <laughs> I was like, that that I got word. the impression that like nobody is going to that wedding anyway, though. But except for know. like Darren and Becca, probably. Yeah. Maybe Jenna, because she's known Jenna since they were in elementary school. Yeah, but maybe, but yeah, maybe it's yeah. just like a small wedding. I yeah. don't know. I actually don't, yeah, because she's not really shared like any details about what the wedding's going to be like, just right. that it's happening at some point. So. And not only that, but I remember when Sarah Michelle Geller got married and they made this big deal about how the Buffy, only like two people from the Buffy cast were there. And it's just like they're coworkers. Not everyone. I mean, like JC Chazé wasn't even at Justin's wedding when Justin Timberlake <laughs> got married because his brother got married the same day. Like you're just your coworkers. Yeah. I can't think of any of my coworkers I'd invite to my wedding. Maybe one. Yeah. Can I be invited to your wedding, Kay? Of course. Thank you. I'll make you're a welcome. trip, especially to LA, just to come see you. <laughs> yes, bachelor party at Transgender Granny. Granny. Yeah, yeah, that would be fun. All right, so let's get jump jump into the the episode a little bit here. Um, okay, so the cool thing is we open with a Blaine sequence, um, and we kind of get you know how he's been dealing after his breakup with Kurt, and and it shows him you know 
in, in a couple of different states, one where like he's absolutely depressed and he can't get out of bed and he can't do anything with the his music, which is a really telling sign. But then it goes on where he, you know, goes to therapy and he starts trying new things and taking the gel out of his hair and, you know, dating Karofsky. And like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's hear what do you guys have to what do you guys think about this opening montage where we get a lot of Blaine information right off the bat? Oh. I'm just like, I'm always happy to see Blaine with that confident, like, smile on his face. But I will say, like, it's so interesting. I listened to your guys' episode on the gap between seasons five and six. I was listening Mm -hmm. to it at work. And I was like, oh, oh, it's so interesting how, like, you guys were saying that, you know, Kirk kind of hasn't really processed things and is burying his emotions, whereas Blaine feels as though he's, like, in a really much more settled place and kind of probably would have been okay. Like had Kurt not come back. And what I find really weird, like having not really watched loser like me and very much a newbie into the season six stuff. I'm like, for me, he's got buried written all over him in this sequence. Like in this sequence, he's like, Oh, the, that, that this is the one thing I love about Dalton Academy is that nothing is ever going to change. I can always count on this. I don't need anything to be any different whatsoever because I am good. And I'm like, oh, honey, hi. You are so much. You are. You're worse than me when I'm in denial and that is so. I just always feel so sad when I see him in this sequence now. And I wonder if it's something that he got from therapy only because I personally had like a depressive moment and I had to take time off of work and everything. So I've been like going to a lot of therapy. Like I was literally like Blaine at the end of last year, like not able to like not in bed all day, not able to do anything. And then in therapy, sometimes they say like, you have to like, when you get to certain moments, you have to like tell yourself like, this is, you know, it's fine. I'm going to get through this. I'm like, so Blaine still, I feel like he still feels that he's in a better place, but he still has those moments where he definitely needs to convince himself. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and I think good. He- Dalton is uncomfortable <laughs> here. This is where I'm comfortable. So this is where I'm going to be for this moment. Of course, Jane comes and throws all that out the window. Uh, before we get to the Jane part of it, though, um, let's talk about Blaine just a little bit longer because I think um, it's interesting. Yeah, the thing is, though, I think that there's a big progression from him right after the breakup where he couldn't even get out of bed and he couldn't, you know, play music and he just, you know, to the fact that he's a functioning human being again. And I guess that's kind of where I draw on my he's made a lot of progress. Mm. I do completely agree. There's a lot of denial still going on. Um, He's using both Dalton and Karofsky as a shield away from the real world. Um, Mm. And, and, you know, the blazer is like a suit of armor. Uh, um. Yeah, and it's it's definitely a process, because I remember being, I remember with me, it was like, okay, today I went in the living room. Mm-hmm. And that was like my win, like, yeah. I'm in the living room today, you know? So I think getting to see, like, his process and seeing, okay, I'm tr- him trying to find who he's going to be now. Mm-hmm. And, like, trying the note, trying new things with his hair and things like that like those are definitely good signs and you can and just as someone who's gone through therapy I can tell that that's probably part of that process I think it's I do sometimes wonder it was nice to see that he at least had plans with Sam because Mm -hmm. I know that that was something that came up a lot in fandom was due to the nature of the season you don't get to see you don't really get to see um 
blames friendships with anybody other than like Kurt and Rachel really. Mm, so right. it's a good sign that he at least had that plan to meet with Sam, even if Sam didn't recognize him. Dude, I don't care what like your Darren. name is. I'm not into that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I, realized, <laughs> I think I love that they did that and showed that that's just not who Blaine is because Sam has been crying for so long. We want to yeah. see the curls. You want to see the curls. I, and you know, and I, I think it was, you know, this whole season is very fourth wall breaking. And of course we're going to totally get into it when we, when we do the Hurt Locker episodes, but there's a lot of stuff, even at the beginning in these first two episodes where they're kind of like, yes, we hear you. There's a reason we're not doing this. <laughs> exactly. I just want it like it was in season two. Like it wasn't, like it was oh, still yeah. a bit curly. Like it was. It That's was what my perfect. sister says. That's what my yeah. sister says. She yeah. liked it. I, I've kind of like fan winked my own explanations for why the gel became more severe after season two, and I always kind of saw it as like a control thing. Yeah. Because yeah. season sense. three is when things were Blaine's whole like personality started to change and I was like well he's not comfortable at McKinley just yet and it's about control that's why when we get to season six and we I mean when we get to the end of the series and we see him in the future his hair is not as tightly gelled because mm-hmm. I definitely yeah. see it as I mean I, there's a lot of things that kind of like play into it with regards to like you know his brother and his you know self-consciousness but I always did think that part of it was just control like, this yeah. is something Blake mm-hmm. can control. That's why when in Puppet Master, after they called him, after he had that fight with the Glee Club, he's in the mirror and he's messing with his hair while he's talking to Kurt because that's the thing he could control in his life. Yeah. What I really love about this uh, whole sequence was is, A, uh, there's nothing much that will beat the, like, prolonged, oh, yeah, like, as he sits back in his <laughs> <Yes>. chair. <laughs> it's yes. just, like, it's like the sound of the angels. I mean, I am a big Warbler fan. Like, literally, my Tumblr username while I was in the Glee fandom heavy was always a Warbler. So they can do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> I just love <laughs> it so much. But well, also- and- yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry to me. Oh, oh no, because I, I was going to uh, speak about a different part. So, yeah, yeah. So, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say uh, a lot of the season also is about resetting the status quo to the beginning. Um, we are going back to season one and two in kind of their style and kind of their, you know, their throwbacks. They don't do things really like, hey, there isn't a lot of reminiscing, but there is a lot of stylistic choices that are throwing back to the beginning because this is the last season. And I do think um, they, you you know, they're like, all right, we're going to rewind and we're going to go back to our season one, you know, front 13 and where it was playing. He was at Dalton at that time. So they are incorporating the, the season two stuff. But like, um, I, I think it's all very intentional. I mean, yes, well, it fits in, in really Not just with- that, but oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, it, it not just fits in with Blaine's story very well, but it also stylistically matches up with the tone that they want to set for the entire season. And then with regards to Blaine's story, Dalton has always been where he's been the most confident. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this season was about him learning to take that Dalton confidence outside of Dalton. Yes. Which is probably why they had mm-hmm. to burn it down. Like, Absolutely. He needs to take and like, there's Dalton a confidence and apply it to every other area of his life. Mm-hmm. What I think is really cool as well is that, um, you know, if you look back to season five and you have that entire sequence in Tested when, you know, Kurt is saying, like, look, I 
I don't understand like what your problem is like why are you acting this way and he's like well you know when I first met you you know you kind of needed protecting and I you know it felt really good to be there for you and you know we see how well he fits into that kind of mentor role like he really seems at home there and I think what's really interesting is when he left Dalton in season three and then was at McKinley and you know then apparently de-aged whatever um but it's like, <laughs> or, sorry was that a big plot point um so it's, it's sort of like um like I think it's so cool to kind of see that that mental role kind of slowly stripped away from him obviously the dynamic between him and Kurt changed so much with Kurt being a year older and not then only being a year older but being a year older and in college and then being a year older and living in New York while Blaine's the newbie and that I think started to take its toll on him I think the confidence he's getting here in season six is you know he even says coaching the warblers gave me my confidence back and I think Mm -hmm. that he really needs to kind of be in that and I'm not saying that he should be a teacher, but I'm saying having that role as someone that leads, it really helps him. I don't think he, I get the feeling that he doesn't really feel comfortable in a position where he doesn't have anything to do. And I think yeah. teaching and coaching really gives him that purpose that he exactly. needs. Yeah. And you also see it in season four after dynamic duets where he's got, he's the, the de facto oh, leader with the newbies. He's the Rachel. <laughs> And you see that, that that he gets his confidence back there as well. So I definitely think that Blaine likes to be needed. Yes. And so even though I'm definitely team Blaine's not a teacher for my own reason, for other reasons, I do think that I could see him very much being like, especially with regards to his music, like maybe a producer or someone who works behind the mm-hmm. scenes, writing songs, like collaborating with people a lot. Because that's why I didn't really necessarily enjoy the idea of Blaine at Niata ever. Because Niata is not a collaborative environment. And Blaine's very much a collaborative person. Niata is a witch school. Um, (laughs) It's a scam school for witches. School for witches. Um, The the other thing, though, you know, one of the things with the Clean story is that for so long, and I would even argue all the way back to season three, they were on different, as soon as they de-aged Blaine, um, they were on different steps. They were on different pages. They just weren't lining up. And I think, you know, hitting the reset button and getting Blaine out of school and in a teaching position and he and Kurt are now equal in a way that I don't think they've been in a very long time um, exactly. so uh, yeah, yeah absolutely so and I think what you guys have said before about how kind of Kurt has been taken down off that pedestal as painful as it is for me it's still because <laughs> I'd like that like there is something about that like meme of oh Kurt could do anything and Blaine would just look up him like a puppy and be like yes whatever you want like I like I still do adore that but it's but it is so important that that kind of is shattered in a way and I think it is so wonderful to yeah like as painful as it can be like while they're broken up is to see him you know feeling like himself coaching people finding a purpose and like I said I love him at Dalton and I think whatever I I do get get all of that's behind like well it's you know sort of like a shield and you know he wasn't necessarily his truer self at Dalton but but it's it's weird because the blame that I always kind of had in my head of that confident mentor kind of character who really knew what he was about and was really himself 
in the relationship between him and Kurt in the beginning at least was the kind of Dalton Blaine even though he wasn't a full character at that point so to see him back in that environment for me was such a treat like as someone that loves that part of the story it was just Mm -hmm. so great to see it again oh yeah yeah and I honestly think that the confidence he has with Dalton is a part of who he is he just wasn't he just when he gets in spaces where he doesn't feel like he'll be appreciated that part of him is hard for him to express but I read I saw this post on Facebook a couple days ago that said when you look at someone through rose rose tinted glasses red flags are just flags and I was mm-hmm. like it made, it made me think of Kurt and Blaine because they really did look at each other in these rose tinted glasses and yeah. now that now that they're you know kind of had that time apart those that's not going to happen anymore they're able to like see each other yeah. as fully flawed people well and not i think like the guy Blaine... that helped me get out of this or you know yeah not admiring as like a prince or anything like that just like fully flawed people blaine spent so much of his energy trying to be everything that he thought kurt wanted to be and then trying to atone for the cheating and then trying to and then trying to and then trying to and now he doesn't have to anymore (laughs) he doesn't have to and and kurt you know came back still wants him anyway and so i feel like for Blaine, as soon as he can finally finish his healing and does what he needs to with Krofsky and kind of, you know, manages to forgive Kurt, like, then it's like, okay, I don't need to be that person all the time anymore. Like, Kurt's still going to. I can, he can start to trust Kurt, that Kurt loves him, you know, without having to be the Prince Charming Blaine that he always felt like he needed to be. He can just be him, which I think exactly. takes a lot of pressure off. So exactly, awesome. Yeah. All right. Um. So let's talk about Jane. I love Jane. I, Jane I is find, everything I wanted. I love Jane a lot. Like this was the first time that I obviously ever saw her. Even though obviously you know season six has been out for years, but <laughs> I'm I'm very confused about this whole storyline a bit because I'm a bit like. I don't really see what the problem is with a boys' school only having boys in it. Like, see, I agree one hundred percent. I don't 100%. really get why it's a big deal. Exactly, I agree one hundred percent. Like, I'm really happy that they have Jane just because of how she presents herself. Like, for me, it's very important. A lot of TV shows, when it comes to people of color, they have one, and that's it. And that mm. person is like the token, and that person has to kind of. Uh, carry the weight for like their entire population on a show. Like they have to be representation for like their whole race. What? Meanwhile, we're gonna like have like there's a blonde white girl and a brunette white girl and a redhead white girl and this white girl's tall and this white girl's t- short. And so getting to see that they've got you know this beautiful natural hair singing Janelle Monae, who's just like a really important artist. Like Jane was like everything. I wish that we had gotten her sooner. But the storyline about her getting into the Warblers made no sense to me because I don't think it's discrimination for an all-boys school to have all-boy activities. Exactly. <laughs> well, and <laughs> so... And they're like, I, and Mr. Shoes, like, don't get on the wrong side of history. Oh, God, and please like, don't get me started about like that scene. military or something. Like, it's, it's not like she's the first girl to join the Navy. Like, it's an all-boys school. And it's yeah. cr- cross-country day or whatever not have a gay club? <laughs> Oh my god. 
they really are treating this entire plot point like they're trying to cure cancer and it makes me laugh because it's so glee to think that like show choir is the be all end all of social justice is kind right? of hilarious. like it's like a scene segregating Dalton only I'm like this is not the same thing like they're trying to make like a big civil rights social justice message with yeah. something that's like a non-issue <laughs> Um, we'll get into more of that in a second when we get to the Monday Night Dinner. There's a quick scene I want to mention um, uh, uh, before that where um, Rachel basically comes back and she is slushied for the first time since God knows when, season two probably. Um, but anyway, it's just another throwback. Becky called, called, slushies her and calls her a lima loser. And we're kind of back to season one. Just want to throw that out there. She, um, it's Maybe it's because, I mean, my hometown... Is LA. So, like, people literally leave their hometowns to come here. So, I'm not the expert in, in like, the whole idea of, oh, my God, you never left. Although there are some people who do think it's weird that I haven't left, really. Well, but, I mean... I don't know. It's interesting because I would say, well, and I go on the other way, other end, where I come from a very, very small town. But, like, literally, you, you like, nobody comes back. There aren't people, there aren't townies, there aren't people who haven't, I mean, there are people that haven't left, but it's, like, the town is so small that, like, there's no, it, it just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't mean uh, small, anything. The small town thing is something I will never really understand, because I'm just, like, okay, so they don't want to leave. Well, it's, like, yeah, like, it, it's, the city is not for everyone. It you isn't, know. like, everybody that stays there stays there, and they just keep staying there. And then if you go away, you go away, and nobody ever hears from you again. The weird thing about small towns that Glee doesn't really do at all is that um, if you move in and you're not a part of this, the thing, because this is me, because I always moved around a lot. So I moved into these various small towns, and I was a new person, and they that's when they're like, who are you and why are you disrupting our nice little thing? And oh my then, God, I cannot imagine. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of a strange, like, you are not wanted here because you're generating, you know, I haven't been here for generations. Um, and those are the people that leave too. Like, okay, I moved in, I moved out. And that's the, the people that have been there keep on being there. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a strange thing. But really, I... I don't know. I don't know too many people that come back like three or four years after, unless they are the people that never are going to leave and it's not a thing. It's like, okay, whatever. So I don't know. Yeah. I never really got the whole Lima loser thing in the first place because like I'm under the impression that Bert at least has been in Lima his whole life, you know, and which would be weird because if Bert went to McKinley, that would mean that possibly sue was like his teacher Sue was there from the <laughs> 80s and that's like super weird but bert is nobody's lima loser he's a small t- he's a small business owner mm-hmm. he becomes a congressman like bert's no loser well and that was the thing they were trying to talk and tell with finn is that you can stay in your t- and they're kind of going to do try to do this with sam even um, though it's not his hometown yeah <laughs> <laughs> that um that you can come back home again. And that's the whole, like, the, this whole episode is about homecoming, which as, uh, you know, it's kind of funny we bring up a lot that this, like, whole storyline makes sense, like, if they were five, six years in the future. But, like, um, coming home again is just another step or it's a place you can visit. It's not some place you have to stay and there's nothing wrong with that. True story. My sister and brother are two and three years younger than me. 
And even though we moved away briefly when our mom passed away, they ended up coming, we ended up coming back and they went right back to our old high school. And I would be there all the time because my sister and brother were there. I still had friends there. So if I had time, I'd just show up like, Hey, you know, after school, like, you know, I'm here, let's hop on the bus and go wherever. So like, this idea of someone who was gone for a few months comes back and they're like, Oh, everything is so much smaller. Like you were gone for five minutes. <laughs> I also bet it's a little different too. Again, like if you're from LA, like the, it's not like you're going from New York to like a tiny cow town, but then I mean, I'd that's argue, true. Lima is not a tiny cow town either. I mean, like I know what tiny cow towns are like. I've lived in them <laughs> and Lima is not that. <laughs> So my polling place for the for the midterm election in November was actually my high school. And it was my first time being on campus in years. And the way that they act on Glee when they come back after like two years, and I'm like, they're acting the way that I acted after seeing this campus for the first time in 20 years. Yeah. Oh my god. That's it. Is. And like I like, hey, parents- that tree's gone. Like <laughs> My parents literally live across the street from my old high school because they, you know, and I have not been in there. I've been to my parents' house a million times. Granted, it does feel like every time I go back to my parents' house, I'm like entering the nineties again because that place has not changed. But, um, (laughs) like I have not been to that school in 15 years. So you know what the most surprising change was, was the vending machines. (laughs) When I went there, we had a cup of noodles vending machine. We had soda machines every three steps, and we had, like, the junk food vending machines. It was the 90s. But, like, that stuff does not exist anymore. It's, like, juice and water. (laughs) And that's, like, it. Speaking of Homecoming, like, I found it really weird that for an episode called Homecoming, Homecoming took up, like, two minutes of screen time. I was a bit, like, I was expecting this to be, like, even the Super Bowl episode was about football. Like it's it's metaphorical well, homecoming. Yeah, but I'm like they didn't mention the dance. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like homecoming is a big deal. So why wasn't it like why didn't what what like they made a bigger deal out of Sadie Hawkins and they did a why? <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's just the, the metaphor of them all returning. I, I that's my two cents. But like I'm surprised they didn't like yeah. have like Kurt and Rachel being um chaperones at the homecoming dance. I get it. It does I mean the story doesn't that really, would have been hilarious. It would have been hilarious, but the story didn't really need that, I don't think. Yeah. I mean just because this is an introduction to basically all of the newbies and it's a return for all the old characters. It's kind of like when Thanksgiving they did it's like or again a return of all the old characters again. So I think they were like I said they're going for more of a metaphor than literal, but it is a little weird that Homecoming takes up literally two seconds at the end. So because usually like the event episodes like yeah, like Thanksgiving or the one where they did the Super Bowl episode and all, like they they usually like actually devote a lot of time to the event and I actually yeah. forgot this was meant to be set during homecoming until the end. <laughs> I was like, it also oh. cracks me up. I mean I guess like we celebrated homecoming for an entire week, but like once you get into college, it isn't an entire week. It's a day. It's like a football game. So like the fact that they're like, oh yeah, all the graduates came back for this entire week and you're like, okay. <laughs> I live two blocks from my old high school and I don't go to hell I don't go to homecoming. No, I like. I, I literally could walk there from my apartment. When they had homecoming, the fireworks scared the shit out of me because they didn't used to do that when I went there. And I was like, "Why the hell are the? Why does it sound like gunfire?" And I looked out the window, and it was the 
fireworks from homecoming so i didn't even know that homecoming was a thing where like alumni went back because they didn't do that at my school well and no i think that happens back. like people do that more with their colleges i think that would make sense you know i don't know i don't know all right so um kind of moving on though uh, we can talk about the, the new i call it the new monday night dinner i don't know if this takes place on monday or night or not but um will hosts this is so funny to me. Will hosts this thing where it's all the choir directors, but some, for some reason Sam's there. I don't know. Um, I have a feeling Sam just hangs out there. He probably <laughs> does. They needed like, a good Blake excuse coming. to give him screen time because God knows there wasn't a better excuse. So, exactly. Hey, just stick him in this scene. And then, yeah, this, we get into um, the stuff about the Jane thing. And uh, I didn't say it earlier, but I, yeah, Jane is an amazing character. Um, this plot line, however, is glee logic. And it is no really even... Which is not our Earth whatever. logic. <laughs> um, full logic. So, so, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, it's just that... So, Blaine comes in. First of all, I love this tiny character bit that Blaine is late all the time. (laughs) Even when he's trying to shave 15 seconds off his daily routine. Late all the time. (laughs) I think that might be my favorite little bit of, uh, it's like almost like he's trying to balance, add so much to his day and he just cannot get anywhere on time. My favorite bit of that little moment is just the, like the look that Kirk keeps giving him, like, mm. as he sits down, and it's, oh, oh no, the like, eggs. the pain can't really be described in words. It's just, like, he's looking at him, and he's just, like, tossing his salad, and the salad is basically, like, his tears, and it's just, like, so much. <laughs> salad of tears. I love salad. it. Better episode it. Name. He doesn't even notice, because he's like, you will not believe the day I have. <laughs> he's yeah. so Rachel He just like comes that. in and, like, Full, like, in the middle of a rant. It's like Blaine was already ranting in his head, and he just, like, continued out loud when, as soon as he sat down. Oh, my oh, God. God. Like, I love I just, that. It just gives me this, like, kind of vision of, like, you know, all of the no- domestic things we didn't get to see, like, when they were together and how this probably happened on a regular basis. Where Blaine comes home and is just like, just you're not going to believe. Yeah, he's just you're not going to believe what happened to me on the subway. And, and he's just like going on. Like, it doesn't even matter if anyone's listening. He's just got something to say. And I'm pretty, I just have a feeling that Kurt, like, both, like, loves and and is miserable at this dinner. And, like, just Too comes big. up with, like many different ways in which he can try and distract Blaine from the ranting and like nothing seems to be working. <laughs> exactly. Like to be fair, um, I'm pretty sure Kurt does it too though. Like I think they both oh, yeah. like start like arguments or thoughts in the middle and they come home and they're just like, you will not believe and like yeah. Yeah, like a conversation they were in the middle of but they weren't because it happened yeah. in your head. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, well, yeah. Blaine is so stupid. Like, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history here. You of all people should understand that. And I'm like, back up. You okay, don't, first of all, William, you don't you've been on the wrong side of history. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to talk about the wrong side of history, let's talk about Mercedes Jones, okay, sir? <laughs> you've been on the yeah, wrong no. side of history for like four years. He's been on the wrong side of history for like the entire time. <laughs> Okay, he well, lives on the wrong side up. of history. What is he talking about? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my. Like, <sighs> the audacity. I'm like, 
how can you sit there and say these things? I don't know. You know, I actually don't mind Will. Like, I have very, like, I have no feelings to or against Will, like, in general. Like, he's just there for me. Like, he's not the reason why I watch the show. But I think there are moments where he has really poignant scenes and really touching moments. But that line, I'm like, you really thought that was a line that was okay even then when you wrote it? <laughs> like, I this want straight Will dude talking to by the a lion, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I want him to be eaten by a lion. That is my tag for him. Like, like, how dare you Will... lecture this gay boy about being on the wrong side of history? Hello? Okay. Seriously. Mr. Kurt can't be on the girls' team. <laughs> exactly. Mr. Mercedes can't sing. Can't sing to find gravity because you have it dipped in chocolate. Like, shut up about being on the wrong side of history because I have receipts. <laughs> I have so many receipts where Will was on the wrong side of history. <laughs> um, but kind of another thing, though, kind of going away from the Jane issue, um, the um, they do make a mention that they this is a pact that they're all going to do because there's only clearly three um, three competing show choirs in this general area um, <laughs> that they are going to be apart. nice. Yeah, I know. Because isn't vocal adrenaline in like Akron? How far is Akron from Lima? Why do you, why do people? It's so funny. Maybe it's I'm the way with distance. With a lot of people are with time and get annoyed with me when I talk about the timeline. But um, like, oh, it, they don't. They didn't look at a map. They don't care where any of these cities are. <laughs> They're like they, name a city in Ohio. <laughs> that's where it is. It's like. West- that makes no sense to me. Like, sure, like, yeah. hang, hang on. Isn't so? Is Ryan Murphy from Ohio? He's from Indiana. Oh, okay, right. I'm yeah. okay, but like, if I was writing about somewhere that was relatively close to me, I wouldn't just make shit up. Like, like I wouldn't be like, oh, I've had a fight with my boyfriend, so I can walk from London to Manchester. Like <laughs> after I stormed out of a gay bar parking lot, like very upset. Hello? <laughs> like, I mean, just because I, I picked random places. LA is crazy, and there are people who do commute crazy, but it's like they're commuting because they didn't want a $2 million house in the city. So they bought one outside of LA, and then they commute to the city for their job. That makes more sense to me than like, I'm going to go to school two hours away from my house. I'm going to take a job three hours away from my house and like just not even bother to like move. Like Will's an adult, he could move. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, then he would have no friends. <laughs> yeah, I can't the kids in vocal even... adrenaline don't want to be his friend. No, <laughs> aren't they horrible kids? They don't want to be friends with their teacher. Oh. Horrible. I know. How dare they? Except for they're all thirty because they're all professional dancers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> vocal <laughs> adrenaline just isn't line. the same without Jesse St. James. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it really no. isn't. I mean, my sister the, hates uh, competition episodes because she said that none of the competitions, like they're not. So there's a lot of suspense because she's like, you had your best competition in season one with Jesse St. James, yeah, so like can't no one else that. is believable as competition. Yep. And I was like, well, when you put it like that. <laughs> I No, I agree. I actually think they're boring um, because they, it's just a lot of music, no plot, and there's no attention in the competition. But you know what? This yeah. is not a competition episode, so let's get back <laughs> on track. 
<laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, then we get another scene um, where Jane um, auditions. I believe this is where Tightrope is, isn't it? Yes. It's after Blaine takes her to see Rachel. Which, yeah, they, he takes her to see Rachel, doesn't he? Which is weird. I just kind of hate it because I know Rachel's like the star and I don't hate Rachel even though she tires me and I resent her sometimes. But Blaine goes in, this is the best show choir performer I've ever met. And I'm like, Blaine Anderson, have really? you met yourself? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you follow show choir blogs. <laughs> like, <laughs> Look in the mirror, sir. Oh, oh man. God. And and like we always thought that Blaine was you know had a bit of an ego. Apparently not. So <laughs> not when it not when Rachel needs to be introduced to people. Oh God! And everybody does the same thing. Don't get me started on. Well, I'm pretty sure we have some Hubbleberry to talk about later on. But oh, do we um, really? <laughs> <laughs> we'll oh there. no! Um, <laughs> Here's Rachel, the greatest performer in the whole wide world. Like, oh, could you guys, no. guys simmer down? Yeah, I also kind of wish they hadn't done this whole bit where it is funny that they're all like presenting effeminate, but then they're like, We're, we all have girlfriends. And I get it's a joke that, you know. Oh, yeah, we have the warbler scene, don't we? Which I'm sorry yeah. is possibly one of the best things I've seen. So the guy who says, <laughs> like, so I actually had to keep, like, I was t- like typing my notes on my computer and I like, just kept, like, writing lines because they're all amazing <laughs> like the, the warblers is a house of lies so now we'll the have the guy who says that i know him god it's do you really worked, yeah he worked at the movie theater with my sister for years they were really really close he has a beautiful singing voice i'm really disappointed that they didn't use it but his name is matt now. and him and my sister were really good friends and his singing voice is absolutely gorgeous so I'm actually kind of bummed that he never well, got like a solo that. or anything. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's a cool ass guy. I was really happy to see him on. I was like, oh my god, I know him. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. He's Very me. funny in this scene. He's extremely yes, he funny. Is. As as are they all. And 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 like I said, like, oh, so we're gonna have cat and dog warblers now. We can't possibly have a girl warbler. The sexual tension would be insane. And then it's just like that guy's. How dare you? And he says that like <laughs> we oh, all have girlfriends. And I think that was a fourth wall break because I'm like, yeah, I think call so it too. the gay Hogwarts. Oh, they I did it in the script. Callback to I, it was two. in the script. The the whole gay Hogwarts thing was in the script because we just did the Never Been Kissed script and it's in there. Oh, it, you know I haven't yeah. looked at that script in so long. Yeah, like, I think I've seen it. I think someone shared it with me, but I haven't really looked at it. But yeah, it's like the assumption that all the Warblers were gay. Like I think that was just cute little callback to when Kurt first says it. Like in yeah, like it never been kissed. But that's why I'm a bit like, even though it was like a really cute like moment and it actually made me laugh like so so hard. But like I kind of it was weird that they gave that line to Blaine because like Blaine is the one that laughs at Kurt for assuming that, like in never been right? kissed. And then he's like, Are you so I'm assuming he's just like like been so like kind of blinded by pain and suffering that he's like got amnesia and forgot the <laughs> right guy. because when even when he was a warmer they weren't all gay it was yeah. just like him i mean Water. i can only assume according that to fandom, according to fandom it was him and nick and jeff but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sorry. the only explanation i can have is that when kurt asks him that question they all three of them laugh because they know that the only two straight ones are 
uh, Wes and David. And, yeah. and, and <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, yeah. you happen to find the only two straight guys, and I'm sitting with them. <laughs> so but I don't I know. I mean, watching... I, I am very happy with them. I started watching in the show between the, the hiatus in the middle of season one, between the first half and second half, but I didn't get into fandom until season three and all of the Warbler fan in that was around. And I'm like, what, who the hell are Nick and Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> so I take it you never read Dalton then. No, I didn't. I still, even oh. when I found out what it is, it was not something that I felt the need to read. Well, I didn't um, finish it. But I didn't start it. I remember the whole blah around that when it uh, came out. I just and people started making credit sequences for like a Warbler spinoff. Like people really, really wanted a Warbler spinoff. I mean, they are probably like my favorite thing about Glee. I love them so much. Like that entire but like I I can rewatch that storyline from season two like any day. Just them. In take, that beautiful house. I threw this out there. Like, take the warbler stuff and court stuff out of season two. And there's not a whole lot there. Like <laughs> it's interesting. Sorry. I always wanted them to do a what I wanted was instead of comeback, I wanted an episode that took place only at Dalton. Just yeah, one whole episode of Curtain. Yeah, they're paying Liam Michelle too much money to do that. I know, um, I know. I'm kind of amazed in this stuff in season four. Um like what's really interesting about this and like uh, you, uh, you can cut this out no problem like it's just kind of like a little tidbit but when I wasn't in the Glee fandom yet like I was still listening to a lot of the mu- music because it was like on iTunes and just everyone was listening to it and uh, the the Christmas album had come out and I uh, wasn't in the fandom yet and I was just listening to all these awesome songs and Baby It's Cold Outside is like my favorite Christmas song of all time so when I saw it was on like this Glee album I was like oh that's so cool and I remember so distinct like having it on repeat over and over again and be like oh this guy and this girl sounds so amazing to oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then like when my friend like was saying to me oh you need to get into Glee and there's this couple called Kurt and Blaine and my first instinct was those two names are very weird and like I like literally like who's called Kurt and Blaine in real life? Like really I don't know. I know Kurt. Like I have an uncle named Kurt, but like Okay, fair enough. Um but Blaine was, is not a normal. Yeah. When and, I used to watch the Mickey Mouse Club growing up, there was a guy named Blaine. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But um yeah, and then I saw the scene like I like I saw the scene on YouTube. I think she sent it to me or something of it baby it's cold outside and i just couldn't quite connect the dots like my eyes were just kind of like looking at chris and i was like no 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 way is that voice coming from him <laughs> it's just <laughs> it was so exciting but Ooh. honestly like he he could and you know i completely believe him when he says that he would go through drive throughs and people would call him ma'am because like yeah yeah, yeah it's i can it's, talk it's that happy. When I first saw that, the first episode I watched was the pilot. And I watched the pilot. And I saw Kurt, and I was like, okay, that's an interesting, androgynous-looking man. And then I heard him thinking, I'm like, wait a minute, is it a girl? Did I miss something? Is this, like, an actual, like, woman? And then a little <laughs> bit later, I'm like, no, it's not. It's, I think it's a guy. And, it, the, and then the episode two happened, and then I'm like, okay, no, it's definitely a guy, a man. But, yeah, the, during the pilot, I didn't know... Like if if Kurt was a, a if played by a, a guy or a girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. 
Yeah. I don't know if I've ever told that story. Oh my god, but that's hilarious. Isn't it hilarious? I'm, yeah, I think by the end of this this the episode, because then Kurt dresses a little bit more masculinely at the end, but um, because of the jeans and the shirt, but but yeah, yeah, for like about a half an hour, I I'm like I don't know if this is by a play by a man or a woman. Like, <laughs> oh wow, absolutely incredible. <laughs> I know I should probably leave that in just in case. Yeah, it's like what the hell, bam. And then Chris um, got hit with the puberty stick, and then you definitely knew. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, speaking of of Kurt, um, let's talk about... Okay, I have a little rant that I just have to get out. I just have to talk about this because I studied music in college and music has been in the backbone of my life for a long time. And the way they are organizing sheet music... (laughs) Why wouldn't you just put it in alphabetical order? (laughs) By artist and... Possibly by genre. Why? Why would you do it by motion? Why would you spread it on the floor? This is the second time Kurt has spread out the stuff on the floor. Like, what are you doing? I just, I'm looking at the, what was Rachel doing by? <laughs> I don't, she, Kurt was a motion. I don't remember what Rachel was doing. Uh, hers was by year. Well, and then he goes, divas, divas fight back. I was like, that's not even a motion. Yeah. But, and I have another one written down here. Hang on. I have it. I have it on my phone. Uh, it's um, how is makeover an emotion? <laughs> yeah. How many songs but, are there about makeovers? <laughs> although I will say that there is something really heartwarming to me, uh, like a bit of Kurt Meta about the fact that he's been like so closed off, like in the interim between season five and six and his whole thing was, was how he like was afraid of intimacy and here he is filing sheet music by emotion and I'm like oh that actually makes me very happy <laughs> I, I will He's, my, he has a in my notes um I wrote you know what say what you will about Kurt and Blaine's communication Rachel and Kurt have far less communication going on they've worked for two hours on organization before they realized they were doing two different things <laughs> and both of them are and both of them make no sense <laughs> Yeah, and also another thing that makes no sense in this scene is Kurt saying, Rachel, you need to be more proactive because Sue has these kids believing like the arts don't even exist and you can't just put a sign-up sheet like Mr. Shoe did and expect people to join. And my answer to that is when the pilot came out, the Glee Club was literally like gathering dust. That was the whole point of the pilot and all he did was put a sign-up sheet and people joined. So what... like. Yeah, this is literally history repeating itself. Yes, you like that is exactly what happened the first time round. How do you not sure, remember? You walked up to so I was just a bit like, well, your clearly you're. <laughs> they got like six people from the sign up sheet. Like the original six just walked up and signed up. Clearly, Kurt Salad of Tears is like creaming fumes. He can't like remember anymore. <laughs> just like... I also love they have written the characters to have such a selective memory. About something that happens. Like Kurt. So, Kurt like, I, uh, they do that with Kurt all the time. Yeah. Um, like I Rachel also, gave everyone a chance. Which Rachel? Not Rachel Barry. And I love that it's halfway through the scene when Kurt's like, this is pointless without members. Like, well, no shit. <laughs> and then I'm like, how is Because it, it, it's set up that he's doing his work study as being a Glee Club teacher. I don't even want to know. What the hell, Niata? What is this? Like, Scan unless, school for witches. Unless Kurt is going into education, it makes no sense for him as a performer to be doing this. But, um, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't even... Oh, gosh. I, I don't, don't know. know. 
And why would they have him do it? And why would they allow his work study to be in a whole other state? Like New York doesn't have a million schools. Uh, well, he needed a reason to come back. So we're just going to let it go. Because plot. <laughs> okay. Because plot. Um, I guess. So. So, yeah. Why would you not put the songs in alphabetical order so that other people who aren't inside your brain can find it? I don't Like, know. I don't even want to think about what's in that Diva Strikes Back pile. <laughs> Do you want to know what? <laughs> and there then he's going to be like, I can't find this Beyonce song. <laughs> and Kurt's like, did you check Diva Strike Back? And Jane's going to be like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> there are hills that I'm willing to die on. And this <laughs> isn't one of them. <laughs> simply because I have bigger problems with season six. And they start with Blaine and end with Ofsky. <laughs> and I can't. And the sheet music and tea that strikes back pales in comparison. To I'm just worried those poor kids will never be able to find anything. Like they well, couldn't find the like... freaking they couldn't find the markers. Okay, fine, but they're not going to be able to find any music. I feel like they might have hit a nerve there. Like, well, you're right after that. Well, when do they ever use music anyway? So, like, everyone already miss, knows the songs. Oh my god! Since when are they playing real instruments? Like. When they're singing, it's just like a death. Oh. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, <laughs> um, Rachel goes on a little journey um, to find a voice that she hears. Um, and she goes wandering around and ends up in the boys' locker room, as one does. Uh, <laughs> I've heard, though, that, like, that will actually get you expelled if you're like a like if you're in like the wrong locker room. Is that right? Like I don't know. I have, mean, like, it, no idea. It really locker wasn't room. way back when I was in school, but now with all of the, I I don't know. It depends. It depends. I think on, it was like I was watching like years ago. Um, uh, like one of my guilty pleasures is like these kind of teen high school movies. Like I love them. And I was watching a Cinderella story with uh, Hilary Duff, which I love. And I was, uh, I think I was watching an interview or something where they were talking about the scene where like, she just like, like storms right into the locker room to like confront um, the guy from One Tree Hill. And uh, she's just like having a go at him. And they were like, Oh, like, no, like in real life, that's like an instant, like expulsion like you'd be out of there right there and then it's like you just walked into a boys locker room and i'm like i did not know that apparently i don't know i i can't i'm guessing it depends on the place and the situation and she's also a teacher here like technically (laughs) technically like it's not that weird like thin you can't really i don't even know i don't even get started about that it's like whatever (laughs) let's let plot be plot i guess <laughs> it's glee. Um, we can't look glee. too deeply into it. Um, so then it, it kind of goes in. I mean, I'm kind of skipping. Like Sam finds her, and it's like you're being weird, Rachel. It's the beginning of a very wonderful romance right here. Um, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty sure that Sam and Rachel like eclipses Kurt and Blaine like so much. Like there isn't an OTP on the show that could possibly be better than Sam and Rachel. <laughs> You, so can tell, <laughs> you can tell that they're even half-heartedly doing it. And I guess it's, I mean, not this episode doesn't really even matter, but later on, like, it's so half-hearted. They're like, yeah, okay. Sam, okay, you know well, to do. as well. Might as well. And then, like, Jesse St. James shows up and it's like, whatever. Sam's gone. Like, I don't even break up. <laughs> Jesse. 
St. James. <laughs> like, no one else exists when Jesse St. James walks into the room. And, like, full disclosure, as as heartbroken as I am that, like, these are the circumstances under which it happened, I still, every time I reblog, like, a, a give set of Rachel and Jesse, I am just staring in awe of the fact that they are literally endgame. Like, they yeah. got married and I'm just still like my heart can't take the happiness that that brings me. I'm I actually agree. To end up with Jesse, even though the the fact that it had to happen because Corey passed is really heartbreaking because I really did like Corey. I just did like Finchel. But like, funnily enough, you know, because I was thinking about this the other day, and I thought, well, you know, they didn't <coughs> have to end it with St. Barry. Like, they could have literally just had Rachel either not be with anyone in the in the very end episode or they could have had her meet jesse or someone they they could have chosen to just have rachel be on her own in the final episode rather than be with anyone you know but they made the conscious choice to bring jesse back and have them end up married and i'm like that is so incredible like that it ended up happening that way and i wonder if they kind of like did it because they couldn't think of anyone else to put her with, or, or maybe because well, the fan response was so strong to, no, to them I as a No, I think it was Leah's choice. I think Leah said, I'd really want Jonathan back because they're BFF. And I think um, that meant something to her. Because um, I'm pretty sure that, that Ryan Murphy basically said, okay, this is what we're going to do with Rachel. How do you want to end it? And she probably said, I want John back on the show. So God bless. That's my, that's my two cents. And, you know, yeah. Well, though, hilariously, there are, you know, as we get into more of the Kurt and Blaine stuff with the rest of the season, there's a lot of like, there's going to be a montage later on. There's going to be all these throwbacks. There's going to be a lot of discussion about OTPs. And I love that Rachel gets her own like OTP, like flashback video with New York. Um, kind of implying that New York is her like end game, um, which I yeah. actually think is kind of cool, more that's so cool. than a, a romantic relationship. So. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's a good um, way to look at it. Um, so yeah, so we get an, uh, like I don't know if it's after a commercial break or whatever, and there I think that there's got to be something cut out because when Kurt comes back in. He's like, I'm sorry again, and I said some things about your life that I shouldn't have. And I'm like, what were they? They weren't in the previous scene. Like, they just like, yell know, at each like, other, what? but it's not personal. Maybe it's just a shit line. Like, that really wouldn't surprise me at all. I would have loved to, see, to know what he said to her to make, you know, make him apologize like this, because that would have been fun. <laughs> Rachel's very sensitive. You he heard her feelings. Aww. <laughs> Well, that always happens. She needs to, whatever. They've been through this a million times. I wrote in my notes. I think I'm getting tired of Hummelberry, guys. <laughs> like, can I? Because I'm not like I. I can never remember like who on this podcast likes Rachel slash likes Hummelberry. Is there anyone present that does? I, well, not probably. Like, I don't. Hate I was the have... shit out of Hummelberry because the thing that made me love Glee was Kurt Sadie's. So. Mm-hmm. I and I resent Hummelberry for a different reason. Um, 
Yeah, <laughs> I really don't like I, Hummelberry at all. <laughs> like, I resent it because they, the, and this isn't even about Blaine. It's about the fact that in season four and in season three, um, they made so much of his storyline to be an emotional prop for her that it it's um, it uh, stunted his any kind of. The, the, he had a great great um, storyline through one and two, and then into three and four, everything was so tied to her that all of his big emotional moments were either stunted or not existent because she had to have it. Not to mention yeah. every kind of conflict they had ended in him apologizing to her for hurting his her feelings, and I was just done with that. I so, just yeah. think like. What I find really frustrating is that I think Rachel works really well with people who are like her, who give as good as she does. And so uh, she's a good match for Santana. She's a good match for Mercedes. She's a good match for Jesse because they will, you know, go to those levels all at the same time. But unfortunately, Kurt is such a giver that. Big that she she's just like a battery, like taking the life out of him, like yeah. constantly. And it's it it's she's like I really don't want to be negative, but she's so selfish, and I really don't understand well, why and- Kurt keeps her around. Like I like I really really do struggle sometimes to see what Kurt sees in her because she it can be. Um, I find her on occasion so toxic for him as a person that I'm like, please get away from her. It makes yeah, me so worried in season you. four. <laughs> and like, it makes me, and when I like, I'm not going to lie. I will say that when I found out that she was going to end up carrying their baby, I was horrified because I was like, Oh my God, she's going to be joined at the hip for them for the rest of their lives. This is not what I wanted. <laughs> I, this is not what I wanted. What I wanted was Tina to carry the baby so that they could have plain sperm and Tina's egg, and it would basically produce the mini warbler that we saw during the day. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, I, I will say that. Um, that is amazing. I will say that they didn't use her eggs, at least in the script. Is that <laughs> yeah, so? It's true. definitely not her baby. Um, but yeah, it's the oh God. I, I will say in this this season though. Um, unfortunately, Mercedes is going to take Kurt's role, um, and Mercedes is going to do a lot of the emotional. It's so funny, and <sighs> there's there's episode six where she Mercedes spends all of her energy um, uh, propping up Rachel, and then in C- episode seven, Mercedes goes, "I literally spent a week trying to do this. Why are we doing this again? It's hilarious." <laughs> At least Mercedes calls it out. <laughs> Um, and, and Kurt doesn't have to do it so much in this season, but it's still, it, it gets tiring. I, yeah, it, that's true. That's the, and yeah, it's like, I so. like the friendship between Rachel and Mercedes and the reason why I think that they could work in a way mm-hmm. that Hummelberry doesn't is because it will get to a point where Mercedes will shut it down. And I don't even mind it like on paper without this kind of redundant storytelling trope that they're using. Um, like, when they are equals, and like all through season five, for the most, well, a couple times that, but for the most part, sorry, this is loud cars going back. Um, I I don't mind it. Like season five and six, they've made her uh, comedic again, so that helps a lot. Yeah. But um, I I don't mind it so much. But it does get tiring when it's not even so much the the relationship is it's the writing of the relationship is so redundant that it keeps giving yeah. her the same role, and it's get it's tiring to me. So. I would have loved to have seen Rachel as a support 
for Kurt at some point, which is kind of why. And she does. I I will give her credit. They do it every once in a while. I wonder if season six had been longer and the breakup between Kurt and Blaine had played out longer over time. If we would have actually gotten to see Rachel be like supportive of him through like his tough time, because like when him and Blaine broke up the first time, her and Finn had just broke up. So, and she was on this whole, like, I'm going to be Carrie Bradshaw thing that, um, (laughs) so she didn't get to like really support Kurt through, because they were both like struggling. And then when everything happened with Brody, it was like, it was just, yeah, it's a whole thing. I just wish that we had seen a little more reciprocity in their relationship instead of it always being Kurt who has to kind of like give up his moment. Like they even lost their virginities on the same night. Yeah, but at least they got I'll married be honest, with David really... Tana. <laughs> oh, Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, no. I was I was uh I was just gonna say that I I honestly don't think that Rachel has the tools to put Kurt before herself like I really really or anyone or anyone and this is why I say that I think that if they'd have uh, created a strong friendship for her with people that could be as ruthless as she is it would work because you know you can't hurt someone who's as ruthless as you but Kurt is continuously hurt by Rachel's actions and I think like that like that scene at Will's is just like a perfect like encapsulation of like the way that they think about things because he asks them are you guys co-directors and Kurt says yes immediately because he wants to work together and Rachel immediately says no because she wants it to be all about her and unfortunately <laughs> that is how the crux of her oh, as a person oh no, no yeah. please 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 oh no I had two two points first is they always say that a lot of Kurt's biggest flaws come from he, him being an only child but like Rachel was not only an only child, but she had two dads who were like doting on her and telling mm-hmm. her that she was the best. And the difference thing that ever is Bert happened. did not spoil Kurt. There's a exactly, <laughs> but also I wonder what a, if we had switched sort of, and the Hummelberry relationship was between Rachel and Blaine, how it would play out because he you know, could it, be just as over the top as her. I just don't want Rachel near them at all. <laughs> They're just because too like, good. They're too good Rachel, of people. They don't deserve you know, this. And the biggest issue to me is that Rachel works best as a supporting player. Every time she gets put in a role, I was like watching the beginning of season five, and unfortunately, because of Corey's passing, Leah asked to like be a little bit back, and and she's not as front and center, and she plays some really great supporting moments. And I'm like, every time Rachel isn't front and center, there's a much better story going on. So true. Mm-hmm. That's just my two cents on that. Like, when she supported Mercedes when she walked out in Prom Queen, like, those are moments with Rachel where you can see that, you know, like, there's someone in there who wants to, like... She cares, uh, yeah. supported, that she cares. But we just never got to see enough of her um, doing that with people. Well, and, and believe it or not, I am actually... I think I, her friendship with Mercedes is the most tolerable. That's true. But um, I think that season six is probably some of the most tolerable Rachel that because her plot line is a little bit separate than everything else that's going on. True. Um, so I think I can tolerate it a lot better. Just like I'm nitpicking these small things. But like, well, she's been knocked down a couple of pegs, you know, after what happened to her. So I guess that kind of makes sense that she's a bit more kind of grounded in what's going on. 
So. That's true. As in, um, as in, like you know, like with with like the show being like a failure and everything. Like she's kind of been, you know, brought down to earth a bit more. So, yep. Yeah. Well, okay. So, kind of moving forward, um, let's talk about because then this is where Rachel's like, I called in some favors, so she must have had a very busy night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and everybody everybody shows back up. We get pretty much the whole old cast that can be there. I don't think anybody's missing though, um, because it is Quinn and Puck, and is Mike there? Maybe Mike's no. Mike's not Mike's there. there. I no, think is he Mike is. There? Yeah, but he just doesn't say anything because he's at homecoming, I believe. Oh, maybe I don't know. We're definitely back to season one. Um, Artie's there, Santana, Brittany, and Tina, who comes in running late, and Mercedes, of course. It may. Um, I try not to. I try not to logic or ask certain questions because I know that this is glee. Right. Mm-hmm. So I try not to be that person who's like, why are these college students able to just drop everything and leave? But I'm going to say, why is someone in the act in the fucking military able to just drop everything and leave? Okay. <laughs> because I'm pretty I'm sure Mark's daughter of a veteran. Okay. <laughs> I'm the daughter of a veteran. <laughs> my dad had to leave for months on end when I was a kid. You couldn't just drop things and be like, I got to go see my daughter's play or like whatever. So I just, <laughs> The idea that Puck's like, can I take leave? I need to go to Ohio and go to homecoming. <laughs> and the sergeant's being like, sure, cadet, go right ahead. Like, that's not how the military fucking works. Do you think that Ryan Murphy knows anything about how the military works? <laughs> <laughs> when you say, when you put it like that, obviously not. No. Um, but yeah. Oh, and I forgot Sam is there because he has to ask Mercedes because she's still a virgin. Oh, Sam. <laughs> I think Mercedes is a this has not happened in this episode, but I've determined that Mercedes might be an everything but kind of girl because when Sam asked her if her new boyfriend is bigger than him, she answers. And I'm like, well, how would you know that? <laughs> Maybe she was also creeping in the showers. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> okay, so I don't even know how to segue from that. Um, <laughs> um, on to bigger and better things. There you go. So, yeah, let's go. So we kind of move over into the choir room um, where basically Rachel and Kurt are trying to say, hey, we need to get new members and thank you for coming back. And I, I will say one of the things I do like about season six, at least the first half, because it doesn't really happen in the second half, um, is Kurt and Rachel trying to be teachers and the comedy between the two of them is very funny. Yes. Um, it's, it's it's more so in Jagged Little Tapestry. But um, this, you know, when they're trying to talk and they're just off and it's just... And then there's this really random... Mo- I'm going to throw this out here because it's so freaking random. Where Quinn is like, Artie, what are you drawing? And he's like, your boobs. <laughs> what the hell? Artie is trash. There's some, <laughs> there's some hilarious interjections from Sam here as well. How she's like, everyone's like... So, like, it even brought some people back home. He's like, she's talking about me. And then she's like, and now, you know, some people might be like kind of rivals he's talking about shoe and blaine and just like, <laughs> like does the audience really need to know that like <laughs> Thanks, I, mean, Sam. Figured it out. <laughs> I think it's like the mckinley audience <clears throat> to be filled in on the gossip so it was kind of like and it entertained the hell out of me so oh but yeah, yeah. Funny. i just love that sam has to be the the uh 
the voice of the obvious right there. Thank you very much. He's he's almost right. about as subtle as Kurt when he was pushing that wheel of fortune in in, in transitioning. Just like <laughs> no subtlety, no subtlety. Um, but we do get our first song of the episode, which is "Take on Me." And what they're doing here with the drawing stuff is obviously taking on the '80s video where they were like half drawn. Um, yeah. But um, I like it. It's I guess it's their attempt to draw people in because that worked so well in season three. Um, but it, I like the number in general. If the context is kind of stupid, but the <laughs> and that they're all trying to run away from Sue is kind of fun though. I, I yeah. like this performance. Me too. It's fun. Yeah, I liked a lot of the songs in this episode. Like I hadn't really. Um, oh, the, so. The season five and season six stuff isn't on Spotify, which is really annoying. And I had like a lot of these songs on my iPod, like back when I used to use it. And now I only really get to listen to like seasons one to early season five. And I forget about mm. some of these season six songs. Yeah. And they're so good. Do you I feel an, so bad. Uh, iPhone? I do. Yeah. Because all of it's on Apple Music. Yeah, I don't have that subscription though. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I have every song is on Apple Music. I don't really, Damn. I don't pay for Spotify because I pay for Apple Music. Oh, and yeah, it's all on there. Damn it! I don't know why there was a why there's some weird licensing issue with season six specifically, but Amazon yeah. also like in order to watch this episode, I had to like purchase the actual episode because again amazon oh, prime is oh no, no it's fine like i mean i think it was like two pounds or something like it's really not the end of the world but like seasons one to five are on amazon prime which i have and then season six it's almost like it knew it's almost like it knew that oh, it was no. like it's just sort of like we we're not going to give people this for free because why yeah. would we why would we inflict them with blainowski for free <laughs> <laughs> like we actually care about our customers <laughs> but yeah, so I had. Like, but yeah, so I don't know why season six is this weird outlier. Everything is now you have to, like it's not available for free, like on. Yeah, that's weird. One hundred percent honest. So yeah, I have all six seasons on DVD, but I watched the episode on Netflix. I do too. <laughs> You guys have Glee on Netflix. We don't we, have it on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, I'm surprised because Ryan Murphy has a big like multi-million dollar deal with netflix so like american horror stories on there american crime stories on there like full hmm. seasons the only ryan murphy stuff is not on there is like nip tuck but popular yeah it might be um the music licensing though because that stuff we get weird. screwed for netflix you know why i think There's you guys have tens of it that, that's uh, why um disney maybe. fucks with everything i mean but i, I think disney, you guys but... get rupaul's drag race on netflix and we don't so i'm jealous there you go. <laughs> I would rather watch Clean, but you know. <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race is my new fandom, and it's a mess. Oh. Okay, so uh, I um, haven't had in ages. To clarify, I said it was the first. It's actually the second because Tightrope was first, and I feel bad yeah. for getting that because it is an amazing performance too. So, <laughs> but we do take on me, and uh, you know, it's so at least when they do '80s this time, it's a little bit better than some of the other times when they've done '80s. But they've done like the color schemes, but not like the hair, and it drives me crazy yeah. because there's uh, in season five when they do Lucky, not Lucky Star, um, the other Madonna song that he sings with the band get into the groove uh, into the groove and that they've got all the colors but their hair is not 80s and it drives me crazy i'm like you could so easily make this eight whatever well that's what happens in kurt's head 
And maybe Kurt doesn't like the big 80s hair. Yeah, I can understand that. But still. It was just... Coming from Kurt, I could see why he would be like, come on. This is ridiculous. Um, I imagine he has a lot of thoughts about 80s clothing. Because he, he can't even watch baseball because of the stirrup pants. <laughs> He's missing but... out. Cause some of those players look great. But yeah, and this is also kind of the beginning. A lot of the music in this season is very 80s focused, probably because of Ryan Murphy. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's like, why are we taking the bottom of like some of these songs? Not in this episode, but later on, I'm like, why are we doing yeah. this? Um, but here, no, this is a, you can tell they're kind of taking the best of the 80s that they wanted to do and, and doing it quite a bit of them because there's a lot of them and this is one of them because it doesn't really make much sense i mean i if watching ryan or like watching versace and stuff even though the assassination of gianni versace took place in the late 90s in like the mid to late 90s 90 percent of the music used on the show is from the 80s like yeah. Ryan Murphy just really fucking loves the eighties music. Who doesn't really though? I mean, That's I'm never true. gonna. My iPod's I mean, full of it. I just. I mean, I like it, but I'm. I just. I was a nineties kid, so I think I, just, I gravitate towards nineties more. Um, I was born in nineteen eighty. So it's I'm weird because like, I was also a nineties kid. I was I born know. in ninety three, so I was like kind of late nineties and then early two thousands, more specifically. But I think there's something. But I was raised on eighties movies. That's the thing. So I was raised uh, on. See, and I was uh, raised on oldies, like on the sixties. So I have uh, just an affinity. No, for I was 60s. raised on eighties. So I was raised on Back to the Future. I was raised on Crocodile Dundee. I was raised on Romancing the Stone. I was raised. Oh my god, on, I love Romancing the Stone. Right, it is absolutely incredible. So I was yeah. raised on like all of those films. So for me, it's like. Like the crazy, like smooth jazz saxophones of the late eighties, early nineties, and then the like power ballad, like rock yeah. stuff, and, like <laughs> being was... raised on bands like that, like Queen and like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So that for me, like anytime they did uh, that, see, Queen, I will go for anytime. Yeah, um, I was raised but... on like seventies stuff mostly, and like old like R&B and soul but I mean because I was a little kid in the 80s I was like an MTV kid like I was See, born I, I think you're just MTV. a couple years older than me UK and I think that yeah. makes such a difference because because I was born in 83 so but that little like couple of years because I wasn't allowed to watch MTV it was for like older teenagers and I wasn't allowed to watch it so I don't know <laughs> you're the same age as my sister and she goes those three years make a difference because I'll be like you really does such and, such. and she goes you're three years older than me. And I'm like, so it's only three years. But I also had older cousins. Like oh, I have cousins that are like, see, that's how I knew queen. Cause yeah. um, my older cousins listen to queen all the time. So um, that's, I did know that. But um, yeah, my parents, I would just sit there and watch music videos all freaking day. Until like, <laughs> I don't even know why my parents <laughs> let me do that, but I guess they were like, she's quiet. So whatever. Yeah, I used to remember when music videos were a thing. I'm pretty sure, oh my god, this is so terrible. Like, It's just like the innocence of youth. But I'm pretty sure the first time I ever heard like uh, the song Candy Shop was on a music video. And it was. I was like, oh, what a fun song. I was like so young. And I was like, "This is such a delightful song, and what a and what a cool melody." And now I've actually like listened to the lyrics like as an adult, and I'm like, "Who?" <laughs> my favorite song, my favorite song when I was little, like pre-elementary school, was "She Bop" by Cyndi Lauper. Like my mom, I had it on vinyl. My mom played it for me every day. I knew every word. I loved the video. And then I, when I was in high school, I realized it's about masturbation. And I was like, mom, why did you let me listen to this? And she goes, you were three. You didn't know. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so kind of going on, um, I want to talk about, um, you know, we're getting into the scene where in Roderick is introduced. And I know we talked about Jean a little bit earlier, but let's take a second and talk about these new newbies just as a, as a concept. And why, I mean, Kay, I know you're a big fan of the old newbies, um, but I kind of like the way they're introduced here a little bit better. I think that they stand I, on their own. Yeah. As, I get why people don't like the season four newbies because I didn't like them at first either the way that they were introduced like the fact that there was a Charlie featurette on the season three uh, Glee DVD special features but there's never been a Blaine featurette but anyway like they pushed them so hard and I think that they definitely learned from their mistake here yes because but I think one of the things, the really, really good things that they're doing here is they, what they, what do they do? They don't introduce them separately as cutouts of old characters. They like exactly. Jane. Jane is now into Blaine. It's not about Jane's story, really. It's about Blaine. And exactly. um, Jane is kind of part of that, but she's her own character. She is not a Rachel. She's not a Blaine. She's not a Kurt. She's not a whatever. She's not a Mercedes. She is Jane. So she's exactly. her own character. And then like, let's, we look at Roderick. Roderick is not filling a place that's empty by one of these other people he is just a you know another he is another little bit of a stereotype but he is something new and he's and not what's cool is that they're filling these holes that were kind of needed to begin with like we needed another black female that was different from mercedes in a lot of ways we needed to see someone who who is shy who kind of lights up i mean we kind of got that a little bit with mike chang but someone like roger who's really self-conscious but has like mm-hmm an amazing voice and we needed to like talk about Sue's fat phobia and stuff like that. And so, and the twins, I don't know why everyone said that Rory was Clayne's kid from the future because the twins are Clayne's kids from the future. <laughs> I, ugh, ah, whatever. I, <laughs> I love the twins. Was, oh, I do too. But I just, that whole, like the kid from the future thing, I'm just rolling my eyes at, but anyway, it was so um, weird, but it was, I, but it was so good at the same time. <laughs> like oh my god like and they all fit so well like whoever they were choosing it was kind of like oh season three what a time to be alive man <laughs> that was like that was something else oh that something else. <laughs> um but yeah um yeah we get this new and it's not really about roderick even though we're kind of getting his you know he is a new fresh character but it's also about driving rachel as a character like mm-hmm. um you know and like so it's about they took these newbies they made them new fresh characters and they've input them into the people's um storylines that were already there which they didn't do any of that with the season four when the season four started these other these those other newbies had their own plot lines going from the middle of nowhere and they did not interact really with any of the older characters and it always they always felt very separate and it wasn't yeah. until they started gelling together that it, it worked better it wasn't until after sadie hawkins when they started <laughs> giving them plot lines with Brittany, with Blaine, with Sam, that the season four newbies started to gel <laughs> and gave but, them their own characteristics as opposed to she's like Rachel, except she's poor, you know? But, like, and it didn't overshadow. I mean, yeah, they exactly. are going to get their own episode, but the, the, you know, it isn't, they are not replacing. Like when you, when you get in season four, I mean, we, we get two or three episodes of Jarley and we're like, why do we care about any of this? We exactly. just got to reduce it. But here you're getting these characters and they have these little like quirks and, and whatnot, but it is in the bigger context of somebody else's story. And I think exactly. that is really why it works more so than exactly. the older newbies. 
It's really interesting for me because I think like coming into season six like uh, and basically just experiencing season six through gifts and then just like watching the episodes I wanted to watch. It was and and I guess I'm curious from the point of view of you guys who actually did sit through the whole season, like because obviously at this point in the show, all characters that i really liked and a lot of the ships that i really liked had kind of gone uh as as like main characters and the only ones that really remained were kurt and blaine and them together and obviously they were separate in this season and i was just so wanting them to just finally get back together and so invested in their storyline that i i think everything else just became white noise and i wonder like i might go and like watch some of the season six episodes like because i really did enjoy homecoming like i thought it was really really cute and um like i'm i'm curious what i'll think about the newbies because i think like as delightful as they are i think part of me like as awful as it is is like okay but I just, but I just want the boys back. Like I just, I just really need to be honest. Okay. So I am kind of coming from, I have two different, what happened when I originally watched it and what what I go through now. When I first watched it, it was like, and maybe Kay, you can attest to this. It was like surviving one week after another. It was like, yeah, we're almost done. We're almost yeah. done. And it, it was a lot of it was white noise. I mean, yeah, it was more entertaining. Like I, I did find a lot of it entertaining at the time, but it was like, oh, let's just get to the end and get this over with. Um, now I, I really like season six. I, I don't think it's perfect. I do think there are things that are big issues in it, but for the most part, I can sit and watch pretty much most of it and be pretty entertained. More so than, say, season three. Um, and for me, I've always kind of really enjoyed the ensemble nature of Glee anyway. So I've always had mm-hmm. other characters that I really, really liked outside of Curtin Blaine. So I wasn't, like, too hard-pressed if there was, like, a Artie storyline in an episode. The hardest part for me, I had gotten to season six, like, this is the last season, and I just want to enjoy it. And so I tuned out a lot of fandom stuff, but also the hardest part for me in season six was the time dedicated to Sue more than the newbies, because just because I felt like there were characters that deserved more. I agree with that. That had been there. And so even though I would never call myself an arty stan, quote unquote, or a Britannia shipper, I just felt like it was unfair that we got no Britannia storyline to wrap up anything no arty storyline to wrap them up because of all the time dedicated to sue and that's the part that rubbed me the wrong way more yeah, than that's anything that yeah. yeah and i i think that's fair i also think that i mean britannia's gonna get their own little three episode arc um yeah but even though we don't we're not gonna know what happens to them after they get married but um but pretty much nobody else unless you are kurt blaine or rachel gets any kind of arc or any kind of you know that was all <laughs> you get the sense it was all done before like tina and mike are technically going to get their little plot line in um the wedding episode but other than that there's no real like even here there's like insinuation that puck and quinn are together still but it's kind of yeah background you don't really notice that much do you i mean technically they ended that that um plot line back in season five and they have no you know they have no desire to continue that. Um, so now they, you can tell that the series is very focused on this idea of returning to the Glee Club, of 
redoing the Glee Club and then wrapping up the, the Rachel, Kurt, Blaine, Will, and Sue stories. That's pretty much what the focus is. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, absolutely. Will's story should have been wrapped up when him and Emma got married. Mm-hmm. That should have been done in season three, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> but... Okay, so now this is the this is actually the scene going forward is where um, Blaine takes her to see Rachel though, uh, takes Jane to see Rachel was after the Roderick stuff, which is so weird because Blaine has successfully auditioned for things. Yeah, we can kind of skip through this though. <laughs> but I guess late. it's like a <laughs> I'm a woman or whatever it is that Rachel says, <laughs> girl power. Sure. Social They're trying to make up and Glee and the writers are always trying to make up for the fact that there is no real, I mean, there were a, a, at some point in time, women on the staff. I don't think by season six, there really were. I, I think they always struggled with writing women. Um, yeah. So that's just my two cents on that. So. And I just think that by season six, I just want like Glee, you don't have to do a social justice thing for like everything. Yeah, they want to. Um, speaking and of it would have been more interesting for me if they had said, oh, Jane tried to get into the Glee Club at Crawford Country Day, but they were, like, racist mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. You know, that would make a whole lot more sense to me than this has been an all-boys school for 300 years, and now we want to let a girl into the How did Glee she club. even win the lawsuit? Like, well the thing is the thing that really gets me though is the fact that she just leaves anyway like what was the point of all of that but we'll get some more on that in a little bit because there's a great blame thing oh but god that like, well wait yes. we'll do that in a second <laughs> first we need to talk about um kurt going to visit spencer and this scene despite Ooh. the fact that this okay. guy is awful yeah he's like uh, not a great actor he's not he's, a great singer i feel like they're trying to go for like a Corey vibe because no, in season one, Corey was really unseasoned. But Corey I, got like better and was charming and stuff. I don't think that's what they're going for. I think that they're trying to make him a male like Santana. Um, oh. And I think that they were trying to, you know, like a, a puck Santana, like badass type that, you know, mm-hmm. I, because I, Ryan Murphy. Like he's a badass, this, but he's gay. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That's when Ryan Murphy has this obsession with gay athletes. I don't know what it is. That's why Karofsky ended up being gay because yeah. there's a Ryan Murphy thing. But um, I wonder this if he actor, banged a gay athlete in high school because I had a friend I, who was on the football team in high school and he said he banged his way through the whole team. That Good on information. him. <laughs> <laughs> I have a really um, interesting time watching this scene uh, for, uh, for the first time because I I think it it's really interesting to me from a lot of different perspectives that Kurt is is you know pushing that like social justice angle of well we're the same because we're gay and yeah Spencer is like well that's not necessarily true and yet of course you know so many people do find that commonality between each other even if they have nothing else in common but that's obviously not not what's happening here but what I find really fascinating is actually what Spencer says when he says I know that when you were here being gay is how you primarily identified yourself but that's not my thing and I find it really fascinating because so like so so I'm bi but I Mm -hmm. find it actually really frustrating sometimes like when I talk to people about it because I'm like I don't feel like I'm bi enough because I don't really care like it's not really something Mm -hmm. that like 
is a big deal to me. Like, I barely even talk about it because it's like, so what? Like, I don't even really like to date so what's the point and like yeah. I find it really cool like to like see and like I know that's not re- really what he's going for but I actually really like seeing characters in TV and film and books and stuff that are just kind of like and like look, don't get me wrong like I completely get that we do need characters like Kurt that are very out there and it's very much a huge part of who they are but it's so comforting as well to see people that are just kind of like yeah do you know what but actually I don't really give a shit. It's like, well, yeah, like I'm gay, but I'm also a fo- I'm a football player, and that's like the my thing primary that, concern. The thing that I want to say because this whole scene is very purposely for like a lot of this episode is very fourth wall breaking. And the thing that I I actually, despite the fact that I think the actor is a horrible actor, I think this he's scene so is actually bad. yeah he's very bad, and it's unfortunate because what they're saying in the scene I think is amazing because it, this is basically. It's it's also a generational thing, but it's also, um, you know, when Kurt was around in the very beginning of the series, the reason it focused so much on Kurt's sexuality is because that is what the conversation was at the time. Like, oh, he's gay. This is a big deal. Um, you know, and now here we are six years later. And it, you know, it's already been, it went through its, you know, we're a gay show, you know, we talk about gay things, you know, there are different gay characters, there are bi characters, there are lesbians, there's different kinds of queer characters on here, and it's not necessarily about this one gay kid anymore. So yeah, it's when, like, when Glee started, the, if you wanted to talk about teenage gay characters, I think the only one you would think of is Jack from Dawson's Creek mm-hmm. and Ricky from yep. um, My So Called My So Called Life. And yep. I think that would be that's it. And, and on and then, those shows, though, that the characters, you know, it was either about and lonely, it, yeah. and you know, and, it was about that, yeah. But so, so TV landscape and society has changed a lot, and also like and quickly, a great point on. I learned about being gay not from Glee, quote unquote, because he doesn't actually say that because they're you know, yeah. but but for Modern Family, like that was my you know, so you know it's glee acknowledging that hey we were important at this one point in time but yes we are also acknowledging that not only are there a variety of different kind of you know lgbtq people on the planet that don't all fit into the kurt mold but um we we get our you know there's different representation means something because there are different types of everybody out there and the fact that we've gotten to this point in society that we can have this conversation is kind of cool so despite the fact that this is done between a brilliant actor and a really horrible one. <laughs> I wonder how the scene would have played if there were a better actor playing Spencer. I think it would have resonated a lot more. He gives um, me a lot of Justin Timberlake vibes, this guy. I don't know why. Like, I, think I don't know it, either, because Justin can act. He <laughs> gets his looks. I think yeah. it's his looks. I think, yeah, and just I think like the blonde the way- hair, blue eye, kind of like corn-fed small town guy thing. Yeah, and he's got like a similar kind of like diction and the way that he like speaks. Like he just as That's soon as I saw true. him, I was like, he kind of there's something about like the way that he talks and the way like and and like his intonation and the way his voice rises and falls. I'm like, he literally makes me think of like Justin Timberlake from The Social Network. That is so bizarre. Oh, I never <laughs> saw that. Oh, yeah, I've never seen it either. Yeah, but um, yeah. So but it's just like it's so. It, I could definitely see like the similarity between them. Well, Maybe that's know, why I didn't even think if I had terrible because I was like, it's Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Clearly, well, that's yeah, true. and I hadn't seen that particular movie 
with, ah, with Justin because Jesse Eisenberg irks me. But um, um, there were um, a lot of fix, I think, if I'm not mistaken, and that were written about this pairing at the time. Is that correct? There were. I can't really remember. Were but there? I think there were a lot. I didn't yeah, there know. were yeah, a couple of characters. There was the only not Glean faction that was writing this kind of stuff. Yeah, the only the only Glee male character that never got shipped with Kurt was Jake. Which is really even he's so freaking hot. Even Ryder? Yeah. Even Ryder. Oh my god. That's bizarre. People are just racist because Jake is hot. He I, is. Why would but, take Jake way over Ryder? Yeah. I just, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I just don't oh really god. understand why either of them would be shipped with him seeing as did they even interact, but hey. But like I can no. kind of get it with this. Like because I remember seeing like on AO3, like this or maybe or maybe it wasn't even AO3, like maybe maybe AO3 was a bit a, a bit more forward in time. But I was like, oh, who is this Spencer? Oh, is that the kid that was in the locker room that I saw the gifts of? And I was like, uh, no, I'm not interested in this. But now I've seen them together, I'm like, oh, I actually like, you know, they actually seem kind of, you know, like like uh, like they have like a sort of easy chemistry. I don't know, like I well, do they have any scenes going forward? No, <laughs> no, that's After no, that, they I really think don't. Spencer's- primary scenes were mostly with Roderick and Roderick Kitty. Roderick or uh, Sue. And then he has yeah, his own love Kitty. interest. Yeah. Um, oh, he has a love interest in the show? He does. The cool yeah. thing is, I think, I don't remember what episode it starts in, but every single episode for about five episodes has a gay kiss, whether it's Clayton, Britanna, Spencer, and Alistair. Um, there is some kind of, uh, you know, interaction with queer characters um, That's awesome. that are I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I, I remember I didn't even put those out. Um, I think I put two and two together. The, most of the episodes in season six has some kind of gay kissing in it. It's so funny because now all the shows that I watch, the gay characters just like make out like it's nothing. And I'm like, yeah. I remember it's, how not even 10 years ago. Where well, we were the, like, the original please song, just hold hands, please. original song was a big, big freaking deal. And that's yeah. really a testament to what this scene is talking about. That Glee is saying, you know, we realize that society has moved on from us, but we were important at one point in time. <laughs> we, were, um, we were relevant yeah. once. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is it's it, it is remarkable to say, you know, look at how much TV has gone. For, and so, like, yeah. So, yeah, this scene is awkward in a lot of ways and Kurt's a little awkward little duckling in the scene. I love though the moment when he tries to excuse to me catch like, he tries ball. to catch the ball and he's like that's I why, guess I, was that's why I was a kicker. Oh, oh. Kurt. I, I love Kurt when he's awkward. I don't know why I just right. tries to erase I was that about to say the same thing. I can't remember which yeah. one of you guys said it or if even it was on the podcast or maybe it was a post on top that I read, I really can't remember, but it was something about the fact that Kurt, you know, a Chris, like a Chris was hired, you know, because he looked a certain way and he was cute and, you know, but he was pretty much hired before anything was going to start moving, you know, so it was sort of like one, it was almost like Kurt, a Chris became too good looking for the character that he yeah. was hired to play. And so actually people see Kurt as they see Chris, which is this extremely handsome 
guy who you know it just looks fantastic and looks so graceful and actually the character cut isn't supposed to be like that and I think it's so yeah like funny sometimes to see the dichotomy between those two and I myself have fallen into that trap so many times of seeing Kurt as like this swan-like figure who just has it all together and actually then in moments like this I need to be reminded that he's just a blame too because people see Darren and Darren's like cool hipster guy with like cool hipster friends and so people are expecting and blaine is a complete and total dork yeah well the other thing is like um they lean into i think with blaine they lean into darren being a little bit older like the way they present blaine he's supposed to be what like 20 (laughs) yeah and you could go back and watch when darren was like in the show and he started the show and he's 23 but um like at this point darren's gotta be almost 30 like was he 28 29 in the season yeah and you can tell and um i think this is the first i used to joke that darren didn't age through the entire series but you can actually really tell you can tell now going back yeah you can tell going back and you can tell how goddamn young he was at the beginning but um like yeah they kind of let they let that go a little bit like sometimes they try to downplay it try to make them look a little older or younger but now uh, they do this with the graduates once they graduate they make them look like they're in the mid their mid-20s or something yeah once they graduated they stopped covering amber's tattoos yeah the only person with tattoos they they cover jenna's well actually i don't think jenna has any visible they cover rachel's but they stopped covering but in season four they stopped covering amber's tattoos yeah that's pretty cool. So, so yeah. Um, so that's the Kurt Spencer scene. Um, and I am getting my Blaine Warbler stuff all mixed up. I'm sorry about that. Because this is where <laughs> tightrope happens. So, <laughs> I apologize. I'm like, I thought I was crazy earlier. So, this is it's where the she... magic of the Warblers. Just let it happen. It's fine. I know. <laughs> it bumps um, me out that Glee ended when it did. Because Janelle Monet is such yeah. an important queer artist. And so, I wish that, I mean, it's kind of like a bummer. Because a lot of her, like, really, like, queer art has come out, like, recently. Mm-hmm. And, like, she has the song Pink. And I'm like, oh, my God, that would have been so good for Santana to sing. It's about her girlfriend. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, if I could have gotten Santana singing Pink on Glee, it would have been, like, so huge. But um, I'm just happy that at least we got tightrope. Yeah. The only thing I wish we would have had on Glee is um, "Shut Up and Dance." I love oh, that, that one too! Oh my god, that would have been god. so amazing there to get. So and that many. came out the summer after Glee ended. I know, so like literally that. five minutes later, and I was like, oh, "Are you kidding me? <laughs> this song is amazing. We should have." Yeah. Oh so my was, god, there Can are you... so many songs, just too many that like. I, mean, I just freaking uh, shallow from A Star Is Born. My God, don't we like it? Like we would have literally then never heard the end of that song, which is amazing. <laughs> but it's kind of become the "Let It Go" of 2018. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, okay, so the so yeah, she auditions for Warblers and does a pretty awesome job, and it's fine except for she's not going to stick it with it. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> this oh, oh sorry, is that, is that no no is, go ahead. Is that not on the tail end of this? Scene. Is no, that like a separate she, where she doesn't it's a separate the the there's a couple more of um the the alumni ah, scenes okay. and then she decides to right 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 um talk. yeah because Blaine says he's gonna fight for her yeah but that's yeah 
That's so later, though, right? That's yeah. a little bit later. Okay. Um, first, we get now. This has got to be one of my favorite scenes that they've ever done, um, where the the Mercedes, Tina, Quinn, and Sam, and Puck go yes. to the tea party club, and this is kind of amazing in retrospect because back then Obama was president, and there was just different conversations, and it's interesting how this would play out in a in today's political U.S. climate. Um, oh God. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> what kind of conversation? But anyway, <laughs> I I love that it's just two minutes of speech about how this tea party stuff is stupid. <laughs> yeah. So the and, look on Mercedes' face when that guy emphasizes that Barack Obama's real name is Hussein, and he goes Barack Hussein, and and Mercedes looks at him like, excuse, like, excuse me. <laughs> And I, I don't know, how did this scene resonate with you as somebody who lives outside of the U.S.? Um, I mean, I'm pretty kind of plugged. I mean, the world is pretty plugged in, like, anyway. And, um, like, I I watch a lot of American talk shows, so I'm kind of, like, not really the best person <laughs> to ask. I probably know more about what's going on there than I do about what's going on here, although that might be an escape mechanism because what's going on here also yeah, is so very good. Right I don't know here. if you guys have, I mean, you know, just, like, we, we've got this tiny little thing happening called Brexit. It's, like, super yeah. not a big deal. <laughs> like, really not a big deal at all, except everything sucks. It is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it, I mean... I find, yeah, I'm really not the best person to ask just because I am quite kind of plugged in into American culture, just like kind of because like some of my family lives there and just in general, like I think it's something I'm quite knowledgeable about. But I found it very, very funny. I thought it was a very funny scene, especially like um, sort of like particularly I feel like there's from what I can gather, I don't know if this is correct, but there seems to be a, a bit of a different relationship that people that live in the u.s have with the military than maybe we do like there's this sort of i i want to say this worship our military here except for when they get back i I didn't want to say it but it does it it is something use the military as propaganda you know and a lot of those people that are like very right wing like to use the military but when they come very back just, from being uh, in the military, okay. we do nothing for them. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. kind of a really horrible it's, it's dichotomy. Not, it's, a, it's a more of a, it's kind of, um, it's not about the people. It's about, as everything in America, it's not about a person. Yeah. It's about a corporation. And military exactly. is a different form of that. It's a measuring stick. Like, my penis is bigger than yours. Let me show you how many tanks I have and how many guns I have. Yeah. And, how many. and it, it, it comes from that. It isn't about the people who are actually, you know, the amazing people, I will say, that are out there fighting for us. It's not about them personally, as it should be, because there are human people who come back and, and need our support, too. Um, but it's a matter of, um, uh, yeah, I'm good. You know, you show me my, I'll show you mine if you show me yours type. Yeah. 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 And yeah. like that kind of struck me, like, obviously you've got that bit with the, with the tea party kids and mm-hmm. how like they're trying to be respectful towards Puck, but still kind of, and yeah, like, so like, like that sort of thing is kind of unusual because, um, I think I only knew like one person growing up that was like part of a military family. And like, I think in the States, like it's just kind of, so much more I all that's yeah. just my perception but I feel like it's so much more talked about and like it's such a big deal like even kind of yeah like the whole thing with the kneeling and the flag like for us it's just not 
even remotely like a big deal no, like but that's flat well yeah like, me, but, like things like that yeah so that wouldn't really let me throw anyone. this out here because we are a younger country and i think there's a lot oh, yeah. of this like yeah like and this nationalism crap that goes along it's like well but we're american and american is this and it's red meat and military and guns and you know and yeah. it's, it's just wrapped up in this really toxic stuff that's like no that's this idea that you guys think you need to have because of whatever like ego issues and self-esteem issues you obviously have um Mm -hmm. but and how like um, the constitution becomes almost like a biblical document at this point you know and how it's sort of like i don't I'm just like, so once you know, guys, the Constitution is not a gold star on Mario Kart. You can't just use it whenever you want to get well, and then, out and of something. Very they don't even, yeah, they don't even use it the right way. They don't understand even what they, the, you know. Exactly. So people are so illiterate when it comes to history or when it comes to actual law or when it comes to, like, I mean, and you know, white people and then they love it. <laughs> And even depending on, it literally depends on what part of the country you live in. That too. will determine how history is taught to you. Exactly. So, like, you know, even, um, you know, where I am compared to Kay, like, it's it's a vastly different culture. And it's, I've mm-hmm. traveled a lot of the United States. And um, just I know the stuff that, you know, I I, I, I realize race is, is something that goes along with you, Kay. But, like, just taking that out, just a, a big city yeah. versus small town versus Midwest versus California, it's a, it's a just vastly different, like, here, when I went to school and I, you know, when I was in high school and I said I was an atheist and they said, how do you know right from wrong? I'm like, what? <laughs> and even, yeah. even outside of LA, like if you go outside LA, like to San Diego, when you're driving between the big city of LA and the big city of San Diego, it's, it's like a completely, it's like a red state mm-hmm. in those little pockets in between. Cause I remember going to um, San Diego during the when it was Obama versus McCain and everyone like the houses we drove by on the way to San Diego were all like McCain Palin like LA I mean it's just that because we're so vast and it's LA and San Francisco we're, we're a blue state but I can't even imagine what it would be like in other states like I actually am afraid to travel to red states well and I wouldn't even I mean like, like I, it's also it's it. I think it's misleading if you label something red state or blue state. It's it's you have to look at these like counties. You have to look where people are. I mean, like when you exactly. end up, it's like when I you know my both sets of my grandparents lived in Alabama for a very long time, and one was on a uh, an army base, and it was actually rather progressive. The other lived down in on the coast, and that and they were actually fine because a lot of people were northern. But that that in between section um, was very like we we drove through it once, and it was just a different different world compared to these two different places that you know it, it, it's just it depends on where you are yeah like i'd literally like if i traveled down south i would literally stick to like new orleans atlanta like there's yeah. certain places where i just know that i wouldn't feel safe yeah and it so, is like, actually you know and then you do have to take in the race account of it because like i you've you know felt unsafe but not i i would expect k would feel like just a different level of like whatnot you know and oh yeah absolutely so it it's it's just interesting going back to this particular scene Uh, yeah a lot of it's comedy based and they you know glee will poke at it but never really completely dismantle it um they 
it's I'm glad the scene is there. I'm glad it exists, and I'm glad they are trying to make commentary on it. But it's it, it's also from a point of like again, Obama was president. We had the upper hand. Those are the like you know in touch with reality. You know now it's flipped, and those people that were sitting in that room now have the power. The Tea Party, you know, they have yeah. the power, and that's why it, you know it's just scary that I don't know. So no, very bad gone on to a political rant but <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah. you know there is never a, not a good time for a political rant at 2 a.m it's it's absolutely <laughs> the best time for a political rant when you're kind of like your filter's gone hey why not <laughs> yeah the well and would play completely differently now yeah well even and then i do like the fact that you know quinn and mercedes make a point to say you know th- it, that they are Christian and this, what the tea party represents is not them. And I do appreciate that. Um, you know, even not being a Christian, but I do think it's important to say, look, these crazy, like extremists are not speaking for everybody. They shouldn't exactly be for everybody. So and can we talk about cord and <laughs> the last line? I was going to a little ad lib. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the best part of this entire scene <laughs> Um, yeah, when so, Diana breaks character, oh, and yeah. I love Diana's laugh. I always when there's what is this the, scene, and when Artie's trying to get her to roll up the ramp yes. in Big Brother yeah. because she has such a big boisterous laugh that seems so out of character for Quinn because we yeah. never see Quinn as happy. Well, and I, I like that Quinn is relatively happy in these this last couple episodes that you see her. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, yeah, basically it says, and you know what I learned in Glee Club? That Quinn once had sex with a Latina lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have that some... was ad-lib. <laughs> it has. Now, I, I'm I sure. That was ad-lib, but I actually have some questions here. Because, yeah. um, first of all, um, this happened when they had already all left McKinley. Right. So when would he have learned about this in Glee Club? Because and Brittany would have told, told him. Oh, Brittany. Because Brittany and Sam were dating at the time that Santana <laughs> oh, picked up. Santana would have told Brittany, you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Jeez. I'm pretty sure Brittany would have been jealous that she didn't get to sleep with Quinn. Maybe. Exactly. Because Brittany wanted to be with everybody. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. So, so yeah. All right. <laughs> what do we have next? <laughs> um, we've uh, got. Um, uh, so then there is the, this is the scene where um, they they Blaine tells Jane that um, they didn't you know accept her, and Blaine says he's going to put his entire mental though really and. It, it, <sighs> It, it just bugs me because it kind of like this shouldn't be an issue a because it's a dumb plot point but also she's gonna just leave anyway and yeah. but the but fact least, that he's like really cares like it just it makes me so happy and like it it's like this weird um like i don't know if you guys feel this but even the way it's kind of shot reminds me so much of the scene in special education when when he's walking up to cut and being like he didn't make the cut and it's just oh, like yeah. and it's just so, like i'm i would like i haven't rewatched it today alas but um i don't even I think it might even be the same room that she's sitting in. I think it is. Sitting. Yeah. And um, you know, I don't 
know if like there's something to be said about how you know he kind of is really like no no, this is wrong like you know I want you to be with the warblers as opposed to kind of you know when Kurt was you know he kind of said oh you know well you'll fit in eventually but obviously Kurt wasn't really being himself in that moment and the performance wasn't really kind of authentic so we know that but it's just so interesting to see like how like Blaine has even progressed where like he's actually kind of willing to go against the status quo like where maybe mm-hmm, yes. he wasn't willing to do that before, um, but yeah, this this uh, this uh, fight is uh, stupid. It's just it's just so. Fun. And like, actually, the more it goes on, the more it, like. Wasn't there a quote earlier on when they were in the Warbler Council where he quotes uh, Martin Luther King about the arc of the moral universe? And I'm like, Blaine, it's so quiet. <laughs> I don't Blaine think Dr. King was concerned seriously. with the... I mean, I personally think that there is no bigger, you know, uh, importance in the world than the Dalton Academy Warblers TM. <laughs> However, oh, I don't think Dr. You King was Blaine's concerned blog with the was so when he was serious. making that speech. He was uh. like, this is going in my blog. <laughs> <laughs> it's going on the blog. Show where blogs. Oh, oh my man. god! So yeah. yeah. Um. So kind of moving on from that, uh, we we get um the unholy trinity, uh, Quinn and Santana and Brittany, with Artie because Artie needs something to do. A performing problem. Um, Which no, is problem kind of... with this episode with this song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so go ahead, Kay. It's kind of fucked up to make Naya yeah, sing a that, song yeah. featuring her ex fiance and the girl that he left her for. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't think those two are together anymore either, so I guess it's a little matter. Then again, but she did go on Lip Sync Battle and sing the song that he wrote about her. <laughs> so, at least Maya's got a sense of humor. Yeah, I... Naya, you'd go do your thing, honey. I'm not even gonna comment on it. <laughs> <laughs> I like this version better than the Ariana Grande version. Oh, man. This version is really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like the song. I think it's like really like cool to listen to. It's got a cool beat. Like I like the song. I like what they did with it. Artie needed something to do, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I not? like that they had Kitty call him out and call them out. Yeah, I was gonna say the important part of this scene is actually twofold. One, we get the introduction, reintroduction of Kitty. Um, I do, uh, you know, she was. I understand why she and Unique actually come back. Um, yeah. Because they, I think, really are the ones that most resonated. Um, and Kitty, you know, yeah, she was horrible at the beginning of season four. But by the time even, near, you know, in the mid-season four, she became her own unique, interesting character. And I think that's one reason she is the only one really brought back. It doesn't um, hurt that her and Leah became very close because they both lost their boyfriends. Oh, that's true. Um, at, but I thought that like that kind of around happen. the same time. Oh, was it around the same time? I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I um, that goes was later. Corey, uh, Corey passed in 2014, and Matt, 13, Becca's boyfriend. He actually went to school with my sister, so I knew him. He passed in 2014. Okay. And do you know what's like really horrible about both of those things? Because and like I don't. It's just it's just so weird how these things uh, happen because. I was actually at a, uh, a Glee Con in 2013 in London 
the weekend that Corey died. And oh, I remember, goodness. oh, wow. Yeah, and I remember we were there on the Friday and then the Saturday morning I woke up and my friend who was sharing the bed with me, she kept elbowing me, elbowing me. And it was early and I was like, oh my God, what? And I was so tired and I woke up and she just goes, wake up, Corey's died. And I was like, what are you talking about? And yeah. then we just went down into the lobby and there was just 200 Glee fans like sitting in the lobby on the floor, just crying. Oh, and the Warblers man. were there. like uh, So like they were the actual guests like for the... um for the oh, con wow. were the warblers and um they were kind of like brought us into like this side room and had us sit in a circle and they were like look we know that there were meant to be panels today and stuff but like we'll do whatever you guys want like if you just want to sit and talk we'll sit and talk if you want to do the panels we'll do the, like like whatever you want to do and then so that kind of happened uh then and then the year after there was the next iteration of the of that con which i believe becca was meant to attend and that was also around mm -hmm. the time that her partner died was it was it was just before that con and i was just like what is it with this with this weird horrible fate that like that, like things bad things keep happening around this time i was like why why yeah. are these bad things happening but it was honestly but in a way it was kind of the perfect place for us all to be if that makes sense yeah. because mm -hmm. we I mean, it was, I mean, you know, you couldn't really go through that at home with people that didn't really get it, you know, like being yeah. a fandom was kind of the perfect place to be. But I tell you what, you've, you've never seen people kind of be okay and then just burst into tears for no reason, like throughout like, like 48 hours. It was just so weird. And they actually played the pilot episode for us to watch, mm. just like to kind of get through it. And of yeah. course there's that there's that scene where he plants the drugs in his locker and, oh god and we yeah. were just kind of, yeah. kind of like oh no like as we well, were watching it we were just like, and then obviously yeah. leah singing on my own and it was just like oh who chose this yeah, my <laughs> best friend was here when Corey passed so i didn't have to deal with it alone i was mostly in shock but becca's boyfriend went to middle school with my sister and and my best friend, they're they're in the same third year age pan, and okay. he was my sister's crush, and my sister was getting horribly bullied at the time, and he always defended her, always looked after her, oh, was so man. kind to her, and so when he died, it was like just a, my sister was just devastated. There were still friends on like Facebook and stuff, and my sister was just like devastated. It was really tough because oh. it's like one thing, it's Corey. And I was really, really sad because he, regardless of my feelings for Finn, I really liked Corey. But when when Matt Bendick, that was Becca's partner, passed mm -hmm. away, it was just like, this is too close to home. And yeah. we actually, we went to see Amber perform a few months after that. And Becca was there. And I, my sister and I pulled her aside and I told her, I was like, my, this is my sister. I was like, she went to middle school with Matt. They were very close. And we just wanted to tell you how sorry we, all for, we are for your loss. And her and my sister shared a hug, and it was just a really nice oh, that they sweet. both kind of like got oh, like a so moment wonderful. because he that's was a good. really good guy. That's he good. was really cool. Well, awkward segue back to the <laughs> <laughs> to the thing. Um, I do like that they brought Kitty back. I do think she adds a a nice touch of you know bringing in something that happened during the middle seasons. I do think she is a good character. 
Um, and she, she added, I mean, she's not going to get more to do until the heart locker episodes, but, um, I, I do think she's an, and I, I like that she's angry. I like that she's angry that, you know, uh, those storylines basically got dropped and that already kind of like dropped her and, and, and that, you know, everything was left kind of unresolved. Um, she kind of I represents the show acknowledging yeah. that people actually did care for those characters. Yeah. And, and, and she was actually the fun one of the funniest ones and i'm really glad that they had her like acknowledge that like when the glee club ended they made it about people who didn't even go to the school anymore and Mm -hmm. didn't give the kids that were actually affected by it any chance to really react to it so i definitely think that that scene was needed from her and i definitely get why she's the one they brought back yeah. Um, and we also get um, Mason and McCarthy and Mason and uh, what's his name? Madison. Madison. Oh McCarthy. my God, I love them. They are amazing. Uh, uh, they're hilarious. I, are these I the incest twins? The incest yes. twins. Yeah. I kept seeing, yeah. I'm, I'm like such a, oh God. It, it, it's just embarrassing how little I know about season six. That's okay. I actually couldn't remember Spencer's name until you guys mentioned. I was like, "Please, dear God, let them mention his name before I have to talk about him because I'm going to call him Scott or something stupid like that." It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, um, they are adorable, and I and I have to say, I love sibling relationships in anything. Me too. Like they, me like too. they are such a kryptonite for me. I just think that there's not enough of them in pop culture. I absolutely this is love why I'm them. obsessed with Cooper. Cooper. I was just like, Blaine has a brother. This is everything. Sibling relationships tell you so much about people. Indeed. And yet the relationship between Blaine and Cooper was more adorable on Tumblr than it ended up being in the real show. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Like all of the little relationship to write. I've written so many fan fictions about them. And it's 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 really unfortunate in general that shows TV shows, I feel like this happens more than in movies or in um, books. But the the, because they don't want to round out these characters or they don't have the time or room to flesh out characters things like siblings don't happen and you get all of these, you know, uh, like this, uh, most people have siblings. There aren't very many, you know, uh, uh, why am I blanking on this word? Um, only Only child. Yeah. In, in the world, Rachel definitely should have been always an only child, but like, there's so many other characters that, um, like, you know, it makes sense for all of these other people to have siblings and, um, yeah, it's just, it doesn't happen. And, yeah, I I think it's a very underrated thing. I think family stories in general. I mean, you get caught up on like, you know, I have issues with my dad or I have issues with my mom, but you don't get a, a sense of family stuff very often. Usually it's found family, which is okay, but we just yeah. need a lot more than, you know, um, you know, this is who you grew up with. And this is, you I know, think you that's why everyone likes This Is Us so much because it's about siblings. Uh, or I mean I just, I just finished watching the Umbrella Academy and I think that's hilarious and amazing. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. Oh, it's oh, it's, it's all Robert about Sheehan, so. it's all about family dynamics. It's really okay. that's the heart of it is family. I dynamics, think so. at the end of the day, like Glee has a lot of mentioned siblings, but at the end of the day, siblings mean casting and casting costs money. Exactly. So. Exactly. Well, that's what I mean about TV shows. Like unless yeah. it's a story about. Um, and they don't usually have, they just mention siblings, but they don't really get into it, unfortunately. Yeah. So, 
Um, so, so yeah, but we have these twins. Um, they're great. They're comedic. That's the other thing I should throw out there. And, and, and it's really actually in there, even though the first episode is depressing, season six, as with season five are very funny seasons. And I think they're very underrated for being funny because they're so long, uh, you know, season four kind of started the trend of getting comedy back in there, but season three is not funny. There's like, no, it's, it's not just not a comedy. All. And the so the funniest bits are in the episode with Cooper. Yeah, it really is. I agree because Matt Bomer brought some comedy, but so much of it is like we have to tell this like dark and heavy story about texting and driving that it forgets that it's a comedy. And I think that um, the writing in season season six is very sharp and it's very comedic. And um, it, there's a lot of comedy, even with the uh, the high abundance of too much Sue, there's still a lot of very comedic bits in there. So, yeah, I think I agree. I mean, yeah, even even in this season six episode that I saw, like I feel as though it 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 feels so much so lighthearted, which. I didn't like. I'll be honest with you. I was so nervous to watch this episode. Oh no! <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I need to do it for the podcast. But I was, I, I no, because I didn't know. Because like, I know I'd mentioned to Pam like when I like because I started listening to this podcast like a year ago. Like I would go out like on hikes and stuff and like have it like like in my ears and things. And I remember being like, I have to guest on this at some point. This is. So I'm good. so sorry about those early episodes being so badly at the audio. <laughs> Oh no! I I'll be honest. I think I've I only started listening at like never been kissed. I haven't haven't gone back to season one yet. I really need to, but I I just like I have a few other ones that I need to listen to first. Well, but, don't feel um, bad because RB has been on a lot of the podcasts, so she stopped watching in season three. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but like I feel uh sort of like. I was building myself up for okay, like I'm gonna be on the season six one, so I so I really need to watch it. And I and I and I knew that I'd ask Pam, like, oh, can I play like I really like I, I'm very upset by Blainowski. Like I cannot like deal with it. Can you please just make sure that I'm on something that like, and I didn't know if she re- re- remembered. So I was watching this being like, please tell me he's not in it. And I know he's in it like for a brief moment at the end, but I kind of yeah. like closed my eyes and pretended that I was like in season two again. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't get, I didn't put you on any of the heavier ones. Oh God. I, yeah. I didn't think you wanted like, to do that. So. Do you know what? Like it, it wouldn't have been like an issue. It's just that I know you guys like to keep this like a very positive space, and I didn't want to come on with like all of my. Oh, see, like, and I tell people like when it kind of is a sidebar that I will cut out later. I I'm like my issue is I want how do I put this? I came from a place when I entered in that it was either you are a Kurt Stan or you're a Blaine Stan. And the yeah. two fandoms were very very hostile towards each other. So when I started oh God, TVD. Yeah. My thing was, you are either friendly about both of them, or you get off my freaking lawn. <laughs> and so um, I wanted to keep, because obviously we've been pissing at Will for the entire time that I've been on the internet. <laughs> um, but um, my my important thing was that to be positive about 
um, these characters as characters and not a, like if you were not you specifically, but if, if you were a person who hated Blaine or hated Kurt, you weren't going to be near my podcast. Yeah. That was, um, and that, you know, but it, to be like, as you've heard throughout the show, I'm sure, I mean, you you can probably know how I feel about season three. Um, if it's a shit moment, if it's stupid, Mm. if it's whatever, that's fine. I've never had a problem with with that. So I, I always try to make people like, yeah, you can have your opinions. I know that like, obviously like, you know, Kay loves the newbies. Some other people don't like the newbies. Uh, you know, RB loves the, you know, the one through three, but she doesn't like the other stuff. You know, other mm, people like mm. X, Y, and Z. I personally hate season three. Like it's, I hate it's, season three too. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's a matter of as long as you are positive about the characters in general and, um, mm. and trying to like, the other thing is, there are, you know, there's a, there is another Glee podcast out there right now. I think they're still there. I don't know. I haven't heard from them in a long time. That they shit on the show. They hate the show. And they just Which talk about. Which is so weird to me to dedicate yeah. time in your day to something yeah. you don't like. They, I mean, and it's the entire thing. I mean, it's the, the whole show is based on, well, we just really like this one <clears throat> aspect of it, but we hate everything else. So they're going to spend the entire hour you know, shitting on the show. And I'm like, I'm not here for that either. Like this show meant for, you know, something to, you know, people who, it it meant something to our lives at one point, whether, you know, you've moved on from it or not, or we're we're all here because it meant something to us. And I'm, my purpose is not to sit here and be like, this show is the worst and it sucks and I hate it. And, you know, I'm only here because of Kurt and blah, blah, blah. No, I'm not. But you saying, (laughs) I have issues with Blainovsky as a plot line, being somebody who likes to dig apart, you know, stories and, and analyze like, that's fine. I'm like, okay, well, why do you dislike yeah. this so much? And to get into the yeah, yeah, of yeah. that. So that's yeah, what I'm yeah, absolutely. From. I'd like, so. because I just wasn't sure if it was sort of like, Oh, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit too, too deep and a bit too kind of like, like maybe it's just sort of like, you'd rather have people on that actually kind of don't mind Blainowski rather than people that like literally stopped watching the show. because of it. I, mean, <laughs> no, I, I think I can count on one hand people other than like myself who feel positive about Blainowski. Yeah, and even it was, that shocked was, me because when I heard about it, I was like, are you kidding me? I but honestly can I swear on my life, I thought it was a joke when I first heard it. And, you know, don't forget that when I was, because I was in the Glee fandom in season four. So I went through the first breakup and I was like, this is honestly so horrible. Like from, from like a viewing perspective, but we had like all the spoilers and there was like the light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, we're going to get through it. And there wasn't really a mid game. Like, and I don't have issues with mid games. Like, but it, but for me, it is always easier when there isn't a mid game, like to get through like a TV breakup. I'm like, okay, like fine. Like I can get through this. I just want them to be happy again. But I think like for me, even though obviously you guys have talked about how the season six breakup did end up coming, you know, from somewhere. But I think as a viewer, I think it just was a bit like, huh? Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, they broke up in the hiatus. And then when I read the spoiler, I was like, oh my God, another breakup. I can't deal with this again. But then the spoiler of Blainowski. And I honestly just kind of sat there and I was like, I think that I I love these boys so much. And I can't marry up the Blaine in my head who like went out of his way to like like protect this boy to like help him get through a hard time to get him away from this 
person who was bullying him, who of course has changed and is a completely different person. But this was the reason why they first met. And this was why they connected in the first place was because of this horrible situation. And for Blaine to look at this person and like feel anything for him in that kind of vein based on what happened with Kurt, I just can't marry those two things up in my head. And I'm like, they could have picked any character. Like they could have made someone up. But to pick Karofsky for me was just like everything that this show was trying to like do in my opinion just kind of unraveled with that decision because i just and i think it was when isn't there like a sequence in the first episode where they're all like at this bar together and mm-hmm. like yeah. blaine and like for blaine to think that like they would like kurt would be completely okay with the three of them just hanging out together like and that it wouldn't trigger him and I'm just like Blaine I love you why how like and for me it was just that and I and you know it it takes a lot for me because obviously Kurt was kind of the reason why they broke up the second time and he was the one that broke up with Blaine and I was like I honestly have never felt sorrier for Kurt than I have in that moment where he just like is in that bathroom crying his eyes out and I was like no 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 well, and I think it, it's kind of funny being because I've, you know, my personal feelings have changed quite a bit in the last how four years. Um, yeah. Because when I first, I originally with Karofsky, um back in season two, I said, if you join C- Glee Club, I had to stop watching because I couldn't stand the character so much. And um, yeah, when it, I found out about Blanovsky, it hit me very, very hard. But the thing is, and this is just me, and I and I never try and and, and push my opinion like that. You need to feel oh, the no, same no. way because it's my process. Oh, so I just cool. I like to frame that for you and also listeners. But um, what helped me is like I have deconstructed and analyzed this for so long now that like it, I look at it and a, a couple things stand out to me. One that like our emotional connection, they did their job back in season two. We feared Karofsky. This was a, a yeah. horrible, horrible character. And they are coming from this point of view that they resolved all of that. And they like Max Adler. He's a great actor. He's a good guy. Like they all want him back. Like to them, you know, we can just, you know, Hey, we can throw back to season two nostalgia and bring back and we're happy to have our friend back on the set exactly yeah and so i think that they didn't really realize how much original karofsky was impactful because all of those years later he still like we're still flinching along with kurt when you know he puts his hand on the shoulder but you know, even with the characters, Kurt, uh, this is a valid point. Kurt has forgiven and moved on. And yeah. even though he's never going to be BFF with Karofsky, um, in show, there's an, you know, I, I've had, I've even had to wrestle with this myself. I'm like, no, he, they're right. You know, like when I've seen other people point this out, Kurt has moved on and he's fine. It's, I mean, it, it it's jarring, but also Karofsky is definitely a different character too i think that the karofsky who is bumbling and haha jokey i'm okay with being gay and and a lot older is definitely mm. a different character than that bully who was back in season one. Oh, of course i do wonder of how people would have reacted if it had been sebastian if it wouldn't um, have grant weren't the slightest doing the flash at the same time though i think sebastian is a worse choice for blaine um yeah, I, maybe, I, maybe. But I feel like it's one of like because 
Because I know that, like, Kurt does say, like, like, oh, please let it not be Sebastian Smythe. But from what I've seen in that clip, he's kind of saying it kind of half sarcastically because that's the name that always seems to come up, like, when Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff happens. And it's like, you know, he says that as in, oh, that's the worst case scenario. He's ended up with Sebastian. And then when Karofsky walks in, it's like, yeah. Oh, that's the worst case scenario. Please, please don't be sick. Yeah. And so moved on, forgiven for all that means and yet still his first reaction is oh god please let me not be sick and i think that i but but it's actually less about kurt for me and it's more about i'm just struggling to find out like i said what on earth blaine could possibly see in this person who for all he's changed and i'm sure he like and as we can see you know in season six is basically a completely new person but like i I just find, and maybe it's just the kind of person I am, but for me, there are some things that don't heal. And like when you meet the love of your life, boyfriend, fiance, future husband, whatever, because this person threatened to kill him at some point, how can you look at him in any way, but all right, we're going to maintain a friendly distance now. Well, and I think that that is, I, I do agree that the show really probably should not have gone in this direction. But, at this, you know, I also think Blaine is a little bit sadistic. And the thing that he mentioned is the first thing that Karofsky talks to him about is Kurt. Yeah. So then there, there becomes this bond of we are bonding over our, you know, like Blaine comes from an anger play. I hate Kurt right now. He's horrible. And then Karofsky says, you know, I used to, you know, have issues with Kurt. But then he taught me how wonderful life is. And Blaine kind of latches onto that. And then they bond Badly, I mean, this is definitely not a love connection that's going to be lasting. Um, but they bond over this conversation that they're having over Kurt and this, their own bonds over Kurt. They and... should have brought back Trent and had Blaine date him. <laughs> but then there's then you get the thing is the one of the reasons why it is Karofsky is that it's gem, definitely not going to last. This is definitely True. not. They, they mm. are making a very, very, very serious, like a very clear statement that this is not who Blaine is supposed to be with and you know so no and Trent I is sunshine so yeah, Blaine exactly. could have very well exactly. fallen for him I, I can't I can only present the facts as how I feel about it and how yeah. I know like if you can't reconcile that that's fine that's, yeah, I, yeah. You know, and I mean like I said like, I've only watched the episodes that like Clayne are in and like I'm I'm very happy with that but yeah I just I just thought like I honestly never thought there would be anything they could do to make me stop watching and then hold my beer because (laughs) I'm about to write it. Because honestly, like as, as irritating as it would be for, you know, some people, I think that Sebastian and obviously Grant was, you know, doing much bigger and better things being on, being a superhero, you know, but like, I feel like that had it been him, not only would it have made just a tad more sense because they at least had some kind of history that was like, regardless of how Blaine felt about Sebastian season three, you could like, you could sort of reconcile that maybe they could have been attracted to one another. I mean, you know, Sebastian was certainly attracted to Blaine. And I think that like, even that would have made for some interesting power dynamics between the three of them in season six. And Sebastian by that point was actually a good guy too. He actually helped with the proposal. He seemed kind of changed. So I think that it probably like, and you know, then maybe not, making it just a, a really bad thing. <laughs> I don't know. But and again, I think, I think that's you guys are part of great. the thing with Blainowski was Blaine being so completely opposite of Kurt. 
Yeah, I think you guys have said that before, haven't you? That yeah, just yeah. Not and then like Bastion's him. got a similar build and a similar, yeah. similar coloring. So Even I a, a similar to... sarcasm. I mean, there's a reason yeah. there's so many Kurt and Sebastian shippers out there. Um, yeah, so I think I'm what they were trying to say yeah. Sebastian Fick ever. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> but I, I still think it would have been a little bit more... I buy... But Sebastian just... would have had way too much fun needling Kurt. And yeah. picking at Kurt, I think it would have made it more harmful. difficult for yeah. them to reunite because Sebastian would have. Though, like at season six, do you think that he still would have had that? Yeah, like I, I, yeah, I think still so. Think that I think he was still smarmy though, and I still think that that smarminess yeah. never really. Whereas, whereas Karofsky, I mean, if they, I mean, we don't know if he, they would have written him completely different. It would have been a different story. Like Karofsky is, he is He's Yeah, uh, he, yeah. Krofsky is harmless. There's no bully left there. There's no anything but a decent human being. And, and he kind of had that, like, he knew as soon as he saw Kurt that things were going to end. And so he stepped, you know, he would be more likely to step aside. Whereas I don't see that Sebastian would have been like, but I also oh, think, you know, there's a time limit on this. And then this is going to sound really, really weird for me to say this because it's taken me a long time to even get to this thought process. Blaine is healed more from um like as as Kay just said Sebastian would have been needling Kurt and it would have brought Blaine into this negative like yeah Kurt's horrible Kurt's awful I don't want to ever get back with Kurt like you know and, whereas Karofsky kind of helped Blaine heal at least yeah, he in the helped, context he reminded, he reminded Blaine of the qualities in Kurt that were lovable whereas Sebastian would have done the opposite yeah, uh, so that's just my two cents is why I'm so sorry for derailing this into no. a win. <laughs> I don't, you know, I mean, you've listened to the podcast, you can tell how often we, we get, get off topic all the time. But I, I think it's true, important true. to also have yeah, this conversation I like, because I think that so far in our season six podcasts, I think we've had mostly people who have kind of come around on the Blainowski stuff. So to have a, a real conversation with somebody who's like, nope can't do this it's completely fair and valid and i think it's an important yeah. conversation to have so I, it's such I, a shame because you know i think for for something to be a deal breaker like this late in the game and for you to kind of not really be able to fully enjoy like the last season it is it, it is such a shame and i think it's like you know i and you know i'm not even gonna like uh, you know, th there is a part of me that, you know, is a not so secret like Seb Klein shipper as well. So that would have also just really entertained me <laughs> to see the three of them in there <laughs> see, together. There like, I mean, come on, like, I'm only a human being. There's no so much I get. That's okay. I get it because How I Met Your Mother ruined their final season. So, oh, well, um, that was way worse than we yeah. did. Um, we'll not talk about that. <laughs> I just feel it's, it's, um, it's just, yeah, I think that I can, I can reconcile Kurovsky being a decent guy. I, you know, I could recognize him being a decent guy back in season three. Um, and and uh, I think that it was just for me such a bizarre choice, even for Ryan Murphy, yeah. such a bizarre choice. Who, well, like, no, I don't actually, I just want to in interject. I'm so sorry for but I actually don't think it's a bizarre choice for Ryan Murphy because I think Ryan Murphy has this fixation on gay athletes, and that's another reason Karofsky was brought back because you look, we were just talking about Spencer for you know ages on end being this gay athlete, and I think it's 
like, yeah, for some reason, I mean, in addition to that, we want, you know, this season two stuff back, we like Max as a, an actor, but it is also like this gay athlete thing that he's just, it's like the mean girl thing. Like he has mean girls everywhere. And, and for whatever reason, he's just fixated on that. So I think it's another, it's not as weird. So anyway, I'm sorry for corrupt. That's my American. No, 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 no. I was just so like, great because he's also fixated Rupi. on this idea of conquering the bully, you know? Oh, sorry. Yeah. I think I'm lagging guys. I'm so sorry if I've, if it sounds like I'm talking over you, I'm not, I promise. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was going to say that that's why American Crime Story is so good, because Ryan Murphy has to work in the parameters of truth and, like, yes. stuff that actually happened. <laughs> so, he, you know, you, you don't have to deal with, like, oh, Ryan Murphy's hang up with bad dads, with dads and cheating boyfriends and gay athletes and the 80s. Well, you get the 80s music, but. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, this has been an awesome conversation. So, like, <laughs> please don't feel bad for Jury. Really, no, I mean, it's not I, I think um, the last podcast, and I, I just left it in because I didn't feel like cutting it all out, but we talked about a sex swing for about 10 minutes. It was. Yeah, yeah. you did. I was listening to it. I was driving. And I was like, what? Uh, like, I, I, I almost put a disclaimer that um, <laughs> skipped this at, uh, minute seven if you want to actually get to the, the contents. So I'm sorry about that in advance. I, I, just, like, I had tuned out for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Because I was driving and I was like, what's going on with this traffic? And then I heard sex swing and I was like, wait, what? <sighs> Sometimes you just can't corral people and you just got to let it I go. know. Uh, <laughs> so. No, there are just like some, I mean, I can, I wish I could name one off the top of my head, but I have had some very entertaining like times listening to this podcast over, oh over my time. I tr- like, especially kind of, I'm trying, I mean, I honestly can say like, I literally will uh, go back and I listen to the uh, first time podcast like on a regular basis just oh, to put a smile nice. on my face just to put a smile on my face because it's just like it, that for me there's nothing like that makes me smile more than like hearing people talk about things I love like yeah. and they love it too and it's just like it like just like hearing you guys talk about how like much in love they are and how like like they're being such silly boys and like not dealing well, with that, it you know that kind of goes along I mean I, I know my original rule was let's keep it positive but I think that when you also start to have these conversations with people who genuinely still enjoy the show it becomes a different kind of thing you don't have to work at it where when you surround you know when you're a fandom you're kind of surrounded by all of this negativity especially towards the end but um yeah it got to be you know like uh, even people that you know like even with rb like you know yeah they may not have stopped watching or you may not like a part of it or whatever you still have these really fun conversations and and so that kind of is what makes the podcast more fun or more positive because we're not sitting here all hating the thing we're all like oh we really like this and yeah this part may be stupid um but we still really enjoy it so like literally like every time i listen to this podcast i have to go and like read so much thick because it's just like <laughs> i feel like it. this we always come like up this. with great ideas too i know Kay, that you and i have come up with ideas for oh my and- god no the last podcast where rb was talking about sam as an instagram influencer <laughs> i was like oh my god somebody write that all right so we should finish up the the uh, episode here <laughs> Uh, we just got a little oh, bit. Christ, so let's do it. Yeah, sorry guys, I gotta force you guys to finish up. And um, it shouldn't be too much longer though. Okay, so um, after after we get the incest twins introduction, um, we have this another group scene. We do get this little scene where um, Brittany is helping Kurt try to get back, get Win Blaine back. 
And this is so weird. Um, <laughs> but did this conversation start, like, because the conversation starts with her saying, this is how you need to get blame back. But did mm-hmm. Kurt, I don't imagine that Kurt would have no. initiated this conversation. <laughs> no, no, I doubt it. I doubt it. I, I think it's funny, but it, it's, Brittany is so inconsistent this season. I don't understand. Yeah. Because here she's like, this is how you're going to get blamed back. You're going to start, stop with your Barbara Bush impersonations, which makes no sense to me in general anyway. I don't know why. Haha, Chris likes old people. Let's put it in the script. Oh, that's true. Every single episode has like a Chris old people joke. I don't know why they were sticking him with that. So, I mean, it's kind of funny the like first time or the first few times. And the Walter part of it, I do think is a little funny. But the whole, I mean, they just keep sticking with it. So I don't get what the why they were jabbing Chris so much with that, but whatever. Me neither. Um, so they could have come up with a better joke anyway. It wasn't really that funny. I do yeah. like Rachel, not Rachel. I do like Brittany and Kurt connecting again, but then like here, I'm going to get you back with late. And then here, here's some actual good advice in the next episode about moving on. And then here, I'm going to like, you know, try and force you guys to get married with me again. It, it's so weird. It's like, what the hell are they doing with Brittany? Uh, they don't even know. They haven't known like what they were doing with Britney since season three. <laughs> um, then uh, this, uh, I kind of like this little sequence where they hear Roderick singing and they're all like look up into the vent and they're like all running around, like trying to find this voice. I do think it's kind of funny. I do yeah. like seeing them together like that and having a good time and getting along and stuff like that. So I do. I, that was really, really cute. There's not really a lot of there's not really drama amongst the actual old Glee Club anymore, which is kind of nice. Now they're now they look like the family they've been trying to convince us that they tried to convince us they were in season two. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then we get you know the the kind of solidified introduction of Roderick and he sings Mustang Sally. That guy's oh, voice is so good. It's just like. Really, really sexy. <laughs> it's kind it of is, isn't it? I love that though. I like that Roderick is not your, you know, traditional like. Even Finn was like this, you know, handsome heart, kind of like boy kind of band guy. sounding. Yeah, and I like that they. This kid is just awkward looking and not your, you know, you know, male lead type. But they totally went with, you know, it's but he can so, sing and it's oh. amazing. Yeah. And Will's whole thing was it's, that Will it's sort of like the Ed Sheeran conundrum. Exactly. Because I think he looks like a jack o' lantern, but I love his music. <laughs> exactly. Like, and Will it's like wanted I... a stereotypical leading man. Like he wanted the tall, dark, and handsome type leading man. So he overlooked Kurt and he overlooked Artie. So I appreciate that Rachel and these guys, they're not making that same mistake. They see they see Roderick's talent and it's not like, well, he doesn't fit the mold of a leading guy. They're just like, no, this guy is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So, um, there's this little bit with Sue and Becky fighting over the microphone. I, whatever. Let's skip over Yawn. that nonsense. Um, and then we get the first official meeting of Glee Club, which really is only Roderick. Um, because, and he oh, looks like he wants to bolt out of there. I, I forgot because like, uh, Rachel was like, I forgot the audition. Rachel was like, "We'll let you know." And Kurt's like, "He's the only one he gets in." <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, you're, you're in. <laughs> when the twins come and she's like, "You have to audition," and Jenna's and not Jenna, Tina's like, "Sugar was literally tone deaf." Yeah, they're in. Um, but yeah, and uh, this scene is so fascinating. Again, this is um, some uh, 
you know, kind of sidestepping the speech of uh, Rachel's going to start getting these speeches that are reminiscent of Will is in like early Glee where like, you know, everybody's special and this is such a special time to be special in a special place. And you're like, shut up. We're done with the speech. <laughs> uh, um, we get this moment where, where Blaine comes in and he's angry. And oh, I love it. I actually think, yeah, it's a very fascinating little scene because he is he he's angry at Kurt and yeah there is some like subtext here um but for because the most part all the times that we've seen Blaine angry it's never been directed at Kurt even when it should have been like yeah. even with the thing with um what's his name Chandler Blaine was not angry he was sad he was hurt Mm-hmm. So it's like we've seen him angry. We saw him angry about Cooper. We've seen him angry about Finn. Yeah. But we've never seen him pissed at Kurt. Yeah. And he, and then he doesn't even really he doesn't even direct his anger at anger or at Rachel, not really. Um no. it, it's kind of but I think that he's kept all of this anger in for all of these months to just kind of let it out, even if he's still kind of hiding under you know, behind the the pretense of Jane. Um it's definitely, you know, and I think yeah. it's, you know, I, I think I never really saw this scene kind of as like him being like great, like really, really angry. But like where you guys have kind of mentioned that he's like angry at Kurt, I guess it's sort of like, you know, if you think about the fact that, you know, Blaine moved back to Lima and he's kind of putting his life together and building it like, you know, step by step and really trying to be like functioning again and, you know, getting into this relationship and coaching the warblers and whatever. And, you know, then Kurt waltzes back in and, you know, it kind of encroaches on his territory and messes things up in his head. And, you know, not only is he doing that, but now he's coaching a glee club just like him and he's stealing his students just like him. And all of a sudden he's like, you know, losing that control. And I feel like, yeah, maybe that anger is just sort of like, you know, how dare you come back and feel like, exactly. like yeah. into my life that like I've taken so much time to build and like I can kind of relate because I've been there where I've kind of tried to cut someone out of my life who was awful and like tried to build my life back up like around it and then they kind of would like not like do like this but they would try to like text or like talk to friends of mine and it's sort of like how dare you (laughs) like how dare you like collapse would like come in and yeah. ruin my piece that I've worked so I, hard uh, for. Exactly. And but on top of that, like if you think about loser like me and you get this, you know, this uh, thing in in scandals where they're all trying to be fake nice with each other and fine with each other. And yeah, now is a, a moment where Blaine gets to be how dare you come back? How dare you even say like you have feelings for me and ruin my nice little bubble here and make me rethink the fact that I'm like in this, you know, halfway decent relationship you know like how dare you do all of this you know and and it, it it's it's but it also when kurt tries to say like you know you know the the, the warblers are gonna be fine because they have waiting lists for their waiting lists and 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 blaine pushes back and that's the other thing like he never really he always kind of like crumpled in when kurt would like push you know and he'd he like, would fine, deflate your way yeah. exactly but he now would deflate and give in he he is pushing back, and they are on equal footing. And and Kurt even kind of recognizes that he's not like 
like fine plane. Like, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's a great I, Because dynamic. imagine in season four, in because I always assume in season four Blaine was really pissed when he couldn't talk to Kurt and make over. And I always assume that when Kurt finally called, all of that went away and Blaine defeated, deflated because he was just so happy to hear from Kurt. But imagine if Blaine had actually been angry and called it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. At exactly. that time, you know. So seeing that he's now like you know not just gonna and you'll see it again in um the Hurt Locker. Yep. Where Blaine is going to stand his ground and yeah. put his foot down, and it's well, really and good for back, him. Going back to the beginning, where um, Blaine says, you know, basically they agreed to be friend the competition, and Blaine's like, "Nope, that's it. I'm not no more friend the competition. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna go yeah. out. I'm it's, not gonna. I am no longer so nice to see him like that, and like it's kind of yeah, just that confidence. But I do mm-hmm. wish that we had seen this argument take place either in a more private setting or for it to actually be directed at what we just talked about because at the end right. of the day he's 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 here because he at the, like like with all the meta Blaine feels embarrassed because he's put mm-hmm. his himself his job on the line and he mm-hmm. said that he would do this thing and he's failed and he's lost not only a really good singer but he looks like an idiot to the school board and so I think mm-hmm. the anger is probably mostly yes. at that but i wish they had written a situation where blaine could have logistically in the writing approached cut and been like you know fuck you i have tried my hardest to build my life back up after you destroyed it and you don't get to come in here and basically pretend like everything's okay and fit it back into my life but i don't feel like this was the situation where it was warranted right. because jane yeah. isn't really a plot device that works for that yeah. yeah. No, and there is legitimate. I mean, this is Glee trying to write like three or four things at the same time. They're trying to introduce exactly. this new character. They're trying yeah. to get the Glee Club another member. They're trying to incorporate Rachel's part of her teaching aspect. They're trying to do just all. It's kind of like I I, I was like looking at um the breakup episode again when we did the rewatch, and I said basically they wrote one breakup episode or one breakup story and and split it between three characters exactly. or three different couples. And it's like this Glee does this all the time. They're trying to pack in too much. It really um, is too much. And like even the line, like because it all kind of seems good and like you know Blaine's being like a total bamf and he's like really really cool and like I love everything that he's doing in this scene. And then he comes out with this line like, "Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if you made all this happen after you saw me with Dave." And I'm like, "Where the fuck did that come from?" That has well, yeah. subtext. That has nothing to do with this at all. Like no, this I mean, has it's... nothing to do with Jane. I feel so bad for Roderick. He's standing there the whole time. I like, know, uh, I love Roderick. Shit, I'm going to go. I don't want to be in this glee club. You guys are weird. <laughs> I mean, I can understand that too. I love that. I love, I do love that glee is so cracking ridiculous that it does things like that. But yeah, a better written show would have had like a different plot line for Curtin Blaine to work out that some of their issues. Um, I, I will oh, say as much as awesome. Love as much as I do really enjoy ninety nine percent of the Klein stuff in this season. Uh, it could have been written so much better. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, so they didn't. Yeah, they didn't really kind of gave it room to breathe. I mean, I think that having that tension build up, and you know, like I'm thinking specifically in like whatever this isn't the height of cinema, but like for the angst, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of you know that scene in the Notebook where they're they're in the boat and they pull back up to 
the side of the of uh, of the lake and it's all been nicey nicey kind of oh how are you all this time and then she suddenly just like lets it rip and she's like why didn't you write to me and like how could you do that mm-hmm. to me and like I think that would have been great yeah. for them was it would be to actually have that oh nicey nice like maybe in the elevator scene like that would have worked really yeah. well like, they like could have done them so. actually just like have at each other like you know what yeah. fuck you and I, I really <laughs> that's what that. I wanted that's what I wanted that that moment the of like elevator fuck, you, fuck what you did to me and yeah. then and like, then shooting sh- at each other and then make out Yes, like, the elevator was a. I, I mean, I, I, I that you had, they were stuffing so much into the elevator, but the elevator was a metaphor, and they really, basically, they did do all of that in that elevator. They, I mean, but we just didn't get to see it, and that's. I the just wanted them to part. yell at each yeah. other, like I just wanted them to have a big, like movie style yelling con. Exactly, like we kind of got it where they kissed at the end. Yeah, we kind of did get it in New York a little bit, but 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 really that yeah, I'm so mad at you. I'm so mad at you. I'm so mad at you. I still love you. That kind of yeah, yeah. So, Mm. okay. Blaine is still like an adorable angry puppy in this scene, and it's just the best. We love him. I really do. Oh my god. So, yeah, so then we kind of get our ending little bit. We get the, you know, Madison and Mason come join the choir. Um, they have, So they have four members now. Um, and all of these alumni sitting around, which I'm pulling my eyes at. Um, but then we get the, the last song, which is Home. Um, I like the song a lot. The lower register. Oh, Cuts, lower register. Lower register like yeah. needs to stop because it's not safe for my blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I know it's like, I, I don't know if it's an unpopular opinion, but I love his lower register much more than his higher register. And I'm is like, that is unpopular? that an unpopular? Is that I don't an unpopular opinion? I have no idea. I don't know. What like, I'm pretty sure that, that every single I'm pretty sure that every single person's brain exploded when we first heard I believe in a thing called love. Like yeah. it's just I don't uh, like that one because they didn't do the thing. Like in, like the darkness does. I love the darkness. Yeah. So cuts I, I was bummed that they did. I was like, how do you have Adam Lambert and they don't do the thing? I don't know. But um it's growling. <laughs> just oh yeah. I, Chris's voice did drop during the show. And plus he used yeah. to pitch it a little higher for Kurt anyway. But um but yeah, when they let him do some lower stuff and that's like oh, Well, I mean we good. did get that tear the roof off. We're gonna tear the roof off. Oh, oh that's God. right. I forgot but everyone did that. But everyone used to think that was auto-tuned. It's not actually it's like not, no. He yeah. went on the radio and did it live. No, he did it live. It's him. Oh yeah. no, no, no. As in, like, I think people when they watched it thought it was auto-tuned, so they don't maybe remember that it's actually. Oh his. right. And I yeah, feel like that's true. And yeah. at the time, a lot of people didn't believe that that was really him. Yeah, he I remember actually he had was. To- do it on he a was on a radio show. show. Yeah, he was on a radio show, and they were like, "That wasn't you." And he was like, "Yeah, it was." And then he did it, and then people were like, "Wait a minute, what?" But I was like, "That's yeah. the same vocal range that Prince had." Yeah, exactly. he just has a very huge uh, vocal range, which is yeah. really. But pretty I feel cool. like the stuff that he did there, obviously, which is probably pushing to the bottom of his range, whereas the stuff he does in this song and in uh, I believe something called Love, it's that kind of like growly. Yeah, it's that. Like, yeah upper lower where it's like kind of growly and like if, like I don't want to like say masculine as if like better but sounds a bit more masculine and it's just so different right. for him and it's just I like, like it I, I really like it like too it. and I, I you know it's interesting because there's been so many conversations about Kurt and gender and I think that 
you know, he just from what we've seen, yeah, he, he for, for a very long time when he was still figuring out who he was and what his sexuality was and how that connected to gender and fashion and how he presented himself. But now, and I said it really kind of relates to his relationship with Blaine and not because Blaine defines him, but, uh, you know, he's found where he's comfortable at and how he likes to present and that is so has leaned more masculine. Mm-hmm. And, and ever since, even, even season three when he started doing the vests and the and the jeans and, and, and Blaine likewise is more feminine than I think people give him credit for but um he really is it drives me crazy because I always um starting in season three but in particular season four and five I've always saw Blaine is more feminine than Kurt I I, kind of think they like equal out you know and so there's not you know it, it just goes to show you that like you know gay queer whatnot characters are very like it's not all of like this you know Kurt was a stereotype when the show began. Now he's a very yeah. nuanced and, and individual character that, you know, I wouldn't even consider him a twink. I mean, like, he's filled out and he's, you know, rather muscular and not like. Blaine's definitely not, a twink. Oh, but Wait, they, I think they, he's so twunk. pretty, though. Like, like, <laughs> they're, they're actually both blouses, guys. As, <laughs> as Sue was going to say. Yeah, um, I think Kurt's a twunk. He's a hunky uh, twink. Yeah. Okay. I like. I can see that. I can see yeah, that. Can see That's that. fair. Um, like they're just both so my type. It's very annoying. <laughs> Darren is <laughs> like, so my type. The show. I'm like, I don't know which. Oh it's on. Right. I I swear to God. Like it's actually like so kind of off the record. But honestly, like Darren, like that kind of guy is like so so my type. Like I actually met a guy who he didn't look exactly like Darren, but he kind of had a a similar thing. He was kind of short, kind of petite, played the guitar, and I met him at theatre school. You can imagine that ended very badly for me. But basically, listen, listen, it's just like it's not even funny. But like basically, like I remember when he came over for a Halloween party once, and my best friend met him because I'd been going on and on about this guy. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, he's like he looks like Aladdin. It's like crazy, and she. Was like, and as soon as she heard the words Aladdin come out of my mouth, she was like, "Oh no, 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 no! This is not going to end well." And he came around for a Halloween party, and he was, and like he brought his car, and I was like, "Oh well, you know, you're going to have a drink here. You can't possibly drive home when you've had a drink." I like made sure that like you know he would definitely stay over, and I remember like um, when I went to take a shower because I like. Uh, had like painted myself green so I had to like go take a shower and he was sitting with my friend just like with this like random guitar that I had in my house like about like making up the stupid song on the spot and she looked at him and she apparently was thinking to myself oh god Roxanne is so fucked (laughs) 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 so not gonna I don't blame you because I've seen Darren in person and it's like my my brain stops working Listen, I went to see his and Leah's concert just recently in December, like just on just on the fly with uh, one of the lovely ladies that was on the podcast with you guys. Uh, the one from Norway, I think it is. I can't remember her name. I think is it's it, Anna. Was it Perfect Anomaly, Anne? I think, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. Who is lovely. And she sold me a ticket. And I was so excited to see him live. Like I'd seen him in Glee Live, but not actually him. And I remember um, it was like, yeah. Uh, just ovaries exploding like not only is he an incredible performer but like I remember when he was uh, he sat down at the piano and he was like talking and playing like little kind of bits and pieces and stuff and he started to play the intro to Don't Stop Me Now which you can imagine what that did to me as a Queen fan and I was like oh my god is he actually gonna play it and then he stopped he's like sorry I'm just being a massive cock tease and I was like can you please not <laughs> <I actually> can't. <laughs> 
like me sitting in the audience, like I need to leave and get a glass of water. He's oh, the much. first time I saw uh, him well, live oh, guys, on his wait, first wait, tour. Wait, wait. Oh yeah, okay. sorry, sorry. We're let's getting, get this done, <laughs> and then we can talk about Darren because I have a Darren story too. But, I, but let's well, let's just get this. We just a little bit left, and then we can talk cool. about. It, okay, all right, cool. Um, so yeah, we have homecoming. The, the coming homecoming stuff actually happens. And, um, yeah, it's just mostly the song. I love the song. I love the, this whole idea that they're home, but it's, you know, the thing that really gets me though, is that the song is all about home, but they're not really home. Rachel's not really home. Cause she's off in New York. Kurt and Blaine are not together. That's their home. And it's interestingly juxtaposed, uh, juxtaposed, oh God, what's the word? Juxtaposed. Um, juxtaposed. Um, against like, yeah, Kurt looks over at, at, at Blaine and Krosky and they're all cuddled together, but it isn't right. It's yeah. They're back at the place that they were at for so long. And I, and in a lot of ways, Glee saying, okay, we're back at McKinley. We're back home. But at the same time, this is not the final home for these characters. They're still working to get to their home. And that is kind of what I get out of this. Blaine looks so tiny under Krosky's arm. Yeah. That's weird. So um, oh, and I also just, uh, before we end, though, I do have to do a shout out to the whole weird locker room thing where Kurt and, and Artie and Sam, like, listen to Sam, uh, to Spencer sing in the shower. What the yeah. hell, guys? I don't even know. But... Of course. <laughs> just, <laughs> you have to continue. They should to not have paired his vocals with Naya as the background on Spencer's part because he doesn't sing good. No, I don't know how this guy got the part, but whatever. Uh... <laughs> Anyway, let's I just wanted to do a quick shout out. Oh, sorry. Um, no, nope. go ahead. I I just wanted to do a quick shout out just to one final quote that was actually in the scene where uh, Blaine was being like an angry puppy because I completely forgot about this, but it just like really kind of like spoke to me because it encapsulated I think kind of what they were going for for season six but for Clay specifically and it's something that Rachel says she says uh, she says it about the Glee Club but I kind of like was thinking about it in Clay terms and she says we can't recreate what we have but we can be open to finding something new and different and better yeah. which yeah. I thought was really really interesting like yes so, I agree. yeah you, you know, I agree. Perfect. you can't change the past you know that's what they're trying but they're trying to you know build their relationship up again See, and I think that's uh, you know it, going back because I always talk about Clean going from this fairy tale romance to being in a real adult relationship and in season you know season five they tried to recreate that fairy tale thing and it didn't work like they they trying to they were trying to get back what they had in high school and and, and it just wasn't that anymore they're different people and and they were growing up and they had to realize that you know this fairy tale romance is nice but it isn't sustainable and and so i like that quote for them um i will say uh, though that i do love the fairy tale aspect for oh, them yeah I and, and i do. don't want to downplay that i mean it was also very important you know in it, it, it just yeah it's it's a very beautiful story and it's important too and so um and they do still have some of that in season yeah. six you know they have those like kind of like movie moment like rom-com kind of like yeah. like checkpoints you know with the running yeah. through the street and the being trapped exactly. in a close confined space the happily yeah, ever after part of it yeah um, i i also in, in the song itself it says home is whenever i'm with you and the definitely the singing when when kurt looks over to blame um so i i also like that you know reiteration that home for them is each other so and even for the whole glee club they're kind of home yeah when they're together as well so Blaine is like the missing piece of that. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of people are like, oh, it's so happy to see the original Glee together. But Blaine is part of that now. So it mm-hmm. definitely was like him and Kurt aren't home because they're not 
Yeah. Even within the group, they're apart. No. Uh, yeah. So. So yeah, there we go. And the, is there anything else that you guys want to add before I kind of wrap this up? Or? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, well, well good, yeah. awesome. It's been a great conversation. And uh, Roxanne, thank you for joining us for the first time. Um, I really appreciate you coming so out. Much. <laughs> Kay, you know, it's always a pleasure to have you on, dear. Um, yes, absolutely. And- I love it. And so, yeah, that's Homecoming. Check it out. It's I, it, again. I said it's underrated episode. Um, go back and watch it again. It's it's very funny. It may not have the highest claim stuff in it, but there's some really really great stuff in it. And um, next week I think we are doing an episode on uh, Glee and friendships, and then yep. we'll be back after that with uh, Jagged Little Tapestry. And uh, yeah, come check us out on Sundays nights. See ya. But it's But now they're okay Only me or my You're the apple of my eye Girl, I never loved one like you Found you hiding here So won't you take my hand, darling There's nothing that can stop you From becoming popular Lar Say